Hello there, and welcome to episode 59 of the Game Sharks podcast, where we talk about our favorite thing in the world, WandaVision. Have you guys been watching WandaVision? Yes, I finally finally watched it all. It's so good. Is that everyone seen WandaVision? Nah. Ah, you bastard. I know. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm terrible. Yeah, it's... uh, I love it. It's, um, you know, say what you will about, like, the cinematic quality of the Marvel Universe and, like, cinematic or uh, superhero movies, but WandaVision is just really fun to watch, you know? And if you do care about the story, it's the continu- continuity implications are pretty great, too. So, I'm, I'm really liking it. I'm really, really curious to see where they go after that last episode. Um... And video games. Jeff is on vacation this week, so I am your host, Andrew Vanas. Joining me this week is Derek Wiseman. Hello. Adam Vanas. Hello. And for the first time, my buddy, Jose Perez-Torres. Yo, how's it going? Jose, I believe uh, you you stream quite a bit, yeah? Yeah, I stream every day. Or I nice. try to, anyway. You have your sub button now? I do, yep. I, I believe I am a sub. Yes, I appreciate it a lot. Got you, bro. Um, how is that going in general? Not bad. Uh, there are some days where it's kind of hard to to get in the groove for streaming. Um, but once you, you start playing and you start getting your regulars in, it becomes way easier and more natural to start getting into conversations and uh, uh, focusing on your game. Although playing and looking at chat at the same time is always a mistake. i'll always end up just biting a bullet from something oh yeah especially if you're playing like any any multiplayer games where like you really need to be like looking at it yeah absolutely i i mainly play monster hunter so that's that's very execution heavy right it's yeah it's very very execution heavy (laughs) and very multiplayer uh based too like the whole premise is to to play with from two to four people in a in a hunt against this one big monster uh it's essentially just a, uh, a boss fight every time you you go into a hunt which makes it really fun but it's also really challenging when you're talking to like five or six more people while also looking at the monster making sure it's not looking at you you know trying to smack you or, or whatever it is yeah uh, so it's a juggle but it's a lot of fun yeah i've definitely i've hopped in a couple of times uh i i feel bad sometimes because i'm like oh he's streaming but i'm busy but i want to watch it <laughs> <laughs> I streaming is typically something that I never really uh, really grabbed. It never really grabbed me because I never want to sit into streams because I like feel or like sometimes they just take too long for me. Like I, I can't sit down for like several hours and do that. Um, and then other times it's like uh, it's like the live aspect of it where if I am not around then I feel like I'm missing out. So right that's that's a big part of streaming is is you have to be very committed to stream if you have a schedule you better stick to it because if your viewer base uh you know is used to your hours and all of a sudden you're streaming like all over the place like sometimes early in the morning other days in the afternoon and they don't know that uh you're not going to get any viewers all of your regulars are going to go away and you know it's it becomes a hassle to try to keep up with the streamer that doesn't have consistent times, you know? Mm. Yeah, for sure. Well, I promise I'll do my best to uh, to join you in the future, potentially. 
Um, but Jose, I don't know if you know this, but every time we have a new guest on the podcast, we ask them three questions based on to get a feel for their background in gaming. Oh so boy. the first question is, what is your earliest gaming memory? Earliest gaming memory. Wow. Uh, all right. So when I was really young and lived back in Puerto Rico, uh, I used to have a PlayStation 2. Mm-hmm. And I vividly remember this one game called The Adventures of Cookie and Cream. It's just oh, like, my God. <laughs> yeah, have you guys played that game before? <laughs> I never played it, but I remember it. I've I've never heard of that before in my life. It is the fucking craziest platformer game you've ever played. Like, essentially, you're meant to play as these two little bunnies, uh, one on each side of the screen, and you're meant to play with one controller with two people. One person controls the bunny with one analog stick and the other two buttons on the uh, on the left side, and the other person holds the other side of the controller and uses the right analog stick and the other right buttons. Uh, and they control the the rabbit that way, and it's pain. It's painful. <laughs> it's really funny though, and it's, it's, it's it fun. sounds like a fun concept. Like, like it's it reminds me of those old you know like online flash games where one person use, uses WASD and the other person uses the arrow keys. Exactly. It's it, that's pretty much that in essence. And I remember putting that game on for the first time and thinking to myself, "This is weird." Mm-hmm. And I was playing with my brother Diego at the time. He was really young and he doesn't remember it. But we we went through like the first like two or three uh, stages, and then we decided to stop. And that's when we learned that we couldn't save our games because we didn't have the memory cards for the PlayStation Two. Like those used to be like separate <laughs> things that you'd have to buy because those those things didn't have like built-in storage, which kind of sucked. So I just remember being stuck in like the same two or three uh, levels because we would never play for more than like 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So attention attention spans were awful. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, PlayStation 2, Ventures of Cookie and Cream when I was like six or seven. Solid. Yeah. That's That's definitely a deep cut for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, the second question is, what is your favorite video game of all time? Oh, that's a tough question. Mm. If uh, it makes you feel any better, on our very first episode, Jeff cheated and said two games. So, or he did. Well, he actually <laughs> he didn't choose any game actually. Yeah. So, it's it's tied for me. Actually, I can't decide on on which one I like better. Well, then um, just you can say both. I did. Yeah. I did it. <laughs> yeah. So. My first game of all time, or most, my first favorite game of all time, um, is Ninja Gaiden Black for the Xbox, like oh, the original okay. Xbox. My uh, my family uh, got me into it. I, it was my uncle. Yeah, my uncle got it for the Xbox, and he showed us what it was, and I was hooked. And I couldn't play it because it's an unrated game, and you're like, you know, cutting people's limbs off and shit. Uh, but Later on, as I grew, I, I I watched my dad play it a lot, and I I know that game like the back of my hand, and it's just a lot of fun. It's it's a very challenging game. The bosses and the enemies are fucking relentless, and the uh, the game encourages you to play the the tougher difficulties because you get costumes and whatnot. Oh, okay. 
and they uh, they have you search for like these little uh, golden scarabs that you have to turn into the shop to, to the vendor, and he'll give you extra stuff that's like not obtainable throughout the game. So like you get special weapons and uh, and upgrades and other stuff uh, through the shop, which is great. Um, that game got me into like a lot of the stuff that I play now, like Devil May Cry, for example. Super relentless. Yeah. But still one of my favorites. Nice. And then the second favorite is uh, Dishonored. Oh, oh nice. Adam, uh, Adam recently played Dishonored. It's now What'd one you of your think? favorite games ever, Adam, right? Yeah, I love that game. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. The story is uh, is really captivating. the The world building is fantastic. Uh, you really feel like all the different emotions that the characters feel, especially Corvo. He doesn't have to say a single word, and you know exactly what's going through his head when you're playing. And like that that game is so full of lore that it'll keep you like coming back to it just to learn all these little tidbits. It's it's a lot like Skyrim, where like there's a lot to explore even though like there may not be a lot of content um in the levels themselves but like they they stuff so much lore in every single pocket that they can uh and they have this little like beating heart thing that tells you like secrets of people and the places so you can just walk around and start using it and the game itself will tell you secrets about the um the places and overall like the combat's really cool the the powers are amazing I I remember when I when I first started playing that game, I was like super. That's what introduced me to to speedruns. Like I would watch Dishonored speedruns and I tried to replicate them. I think the fastest I could ever beat the game was like an hour and twenty. Damn, but that's impressive. Yeah. And that that was like using like the weird like glitches where you you glitch into walls and then like run out the map and stuff and and skip the level. Ah, uh, classic speedrunning. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't really like the fact that you're like skipping the game to beat it faster. So I would do like you know glitchless runs and whatnot, and that's yeah. that's where the fun is. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. Dishonored yeah. one is great. Dishonored two is really good too. Uh, although I don't know how I feel about like the uh, the new plague, quote unquote, where like it's now bugs instead of rats. Like I thought the the bugs were just more annoying than anything else. The rats were actually a threat, but that's that's a completely different topic for another day. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> yeah. that's a you and Adam conversation because I know yeah. nothing about Dishonored. <laughs> um, but yeah, I also kind of I stray away from glitch glitching speedruns because I feel like the level of dedication required to like perfectly execute the glitches is too much for me. For sure. Yeah. Um, but our our last question is what is who is your Super Smash Brothers main? Oh, you guys are going to hate me. I don't play Smash. All right, so if you had to pick a single character from the Smash Bros. roster to play as until the end of time, who would it be, do you think? Uh, shit. Hold on. Let me pull up the roster because I don't know who's in there anymore. <laughs> they added a lot of people, didn't they? Like, I recently saw there Sephiroth are, was like, in there now. Sephiroth is in Smash now. There's like 80-something characters. Oh, my. And there's three more coming. That's yeah. ridiculous. All right. Um, Terry Bogard's in here. Yeah, dude. No. Oh my god. All right. Well, <laughs> damn. If I had to pick, honestly, it's probably Sephiroth. 
Nice. He looks yeah. fucking awesome. Jefferson playing a lot of Sephiroth too, so it'll definitely uh I definitely respect the choice. Although I personally hate playing against Sephiroth. We don't have any emails this week, so we are going to jump right into the news and guys, there is a metric buttload of news this week. Uh <laughs> it feels like so much has happened, even like the minor stories are are insane. So <laughs> we are going to try and get through this. I uh, quite, a, yeah, quite a bit of weird stuff going on this week. Yeah, like, that too. There, it's are, all there have been some, some pretty weird stuff. Uh, so we're going to run through, before we get into some of the more major news stories, we're going to run through what I'm calling the quick time events, where we I'm gonna, just going to mention a bunch of these. If any of you guys have any uh, thoughts you want to, to jump in on, feel free to, to jump in at any time. But for the most part, in the interest of time, we're going to try and, and hit these real quick. First up, a bunch of uh, video game-related movie and TV show announcements. Firstly, Sonic 2 is announced, and it's called Sonic the Hedgehog 2, uh, and it comes out <laughs> April 8th, 2022. Uh, they released like a little teaser. No, there's, there's no footage, so but it was just announced, so that was kind of cool. Uh, similarly, um, and then we are actually, no, that was the only movie release date announcement, but we got some casting news. The first one being that Jack Black has been cast as Cap Claptrap in the Borderlands movie, which I just want to say is a perfect casting. <laughs> yeah. Can't get, any, can't get any better than that, honestly. Yeah. That yeah, is a good one. That's pretty good. Um, and then probably the more... Uh, talked about news this week is that the HBO Last of Us series has received its first castings for Joel and Ellie. Uh, Joel be, is going to be played by Pedro Pascal from Mandalorian fame. Uh, and Ellie is going to be played by Bella Ramsey, who is best known for playing Lyanna Mormont in Game of Thrones. Uh, I haven't seen Game of Thrones, so I cannot really speak to her credit as an actress, but I've heard that she is pretty badass in that show. Yeah, um, she's, she's pretty badass. I, I would say she's pretty badass. I think she, like, she could do Ellie Justice. Sweet. I think, I, hopefully it'll be good. And our, our man Pedro, he's all over the place this year, huh? Yeah, Pedro's killing it. He's just playing the the father role pretty yeah. well. <laughs> he's doing another road trip to look after a child. Um, Moving on from that, we got also some release dates for games. Crash 4 has announced that it is going to release on all platforms March 12th. That means Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X. So that is going to be really cool. Derek, I recommend now waiting for the, place, the PS5 version Yeah, uh, if you plan on playing it. I'm glad I waited. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like all of the all of the PS4. Like I'm just waiting for like the Ghost of Tsushima like PS5 um, version, right? Yeah. Because the I've heard the God of War, you know, the PS5 version of God of War got everyone talking again, and and like, hey, you should play this game. So now it seems like as we get more PS5 up, upgrades, uh, it might bring some games back into relevancy. Um, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart releases June 11th. Uh, release window, my ass. That's that's all I have to say about that. I'm pretty <laughs> I'm pretty excited for it. Uh, I'm I'm excited for that game, but it's that is uh, a good like seven to eight months after release. So yeah, I don't know what release window means, but apparently it means up to seven or eight months. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Um, Tales from the Borderlands, uh, acclaimed. Um, what's that, Stu? What's that company? Telltale Game is coming yeah. back 
February 17th to digital stores. Uh, I didn't know it was off digital stores, so hey, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think it went off when Telltale went bankrupt. Uh, uh, and now that they're like back, they're able to like re-up re their licenses and stuff. Yeah, I didn't even know that that happened, so here yeah, we I are. forgot they went bankrupt. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, Kingdom Hearts is coming to PC on March Wait, 30th. So Wait. for anyone who owns a PC, disregard that. <laughs> uh, Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 remixes, as well as 3 and the the rhythm game that they just released yep. are all coming to PC at the end of March. Um, so more people can play those awful, awful games. Uh, Derek, do you know what Six Days in Felucia is? Ah, so that, that the more I've looked into it, the more I'm starting to think that I'm pretty sure I remember hearing about this game. Yeah, because I've never heard about it before, but it seems like it was pretty prominent. It was basically this first-person shooter set around the Iraq War, uh, which was canceled and is now resurrected for a 2021 release, which is pretty cool, you know, in terms of a story. I don't know how much the the concept of the game is going to interest me, but it's it's definitely pretty cool. Especially because a lot of the times when you do war games, you either have you know World War Two or World War One, you know you, they don't really explore any of the other periods of time. Yeah, all the all the modern stuff has been kind of like we're gonna do our own spin. We're not gonna do you know I like I think the only games I can remember to even touch on uh, like a recent war would be uh, there was uh, Operation Desert Storm. Mm -hmm. which was like a retelling of some of the stuff from the uh um i can't remember what they called that the from the 1991 war operation desert storm i think is what it was called uh and then uh black hawk down which is also that same time period like 1991 1992 uh every, pretty much the the iraq war has been pretty uh, avoided until i guess now yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see where they go with it. Um, following last week, Thomas Mahler, CEO of Moon Studios, apologized for his comments he made towards developers like CD Projekt Red and Hello Games. Um, you know, cool to see him own up for it. He basically recognized that his thoughts do not reflect that of Moon Studios, uh, and he was kind of stepping out of his own boundaries uh, by saying the things he did in the manner that he did. But I still agree with him. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he wasn't necessarily wrong, maybe a little harsh, but exactly right. Like his sentiment was good, but the way he said it was was bad. So um, I'm actually a little out of the loop on that. What, what, what was it? Yeah. So basically, uh, the CEO of Moon Studios, who are the developers of the Ori games, uh, had this big essentially rant uh, about how modern game marketing is all hype and all lies because of largely cyberpunk and how they basically like very carefully curated the trailers for that game to show you parts of the game that they wanted you to see that didn't actually reflect what uh, gamers got on release and thus built up the gamers to pre-order the game. Uh, and so they had already spent money on a game that didn't end up um, living up to those measures. Ooh, yikes. And he, yeah, he got very ranty about it. He uh, compared them to snake oil salesmen, which is a pretty harsh term to use. Oh, no. Um, so, yeah. But he has so apologized for it. Um, wow. So I'll give him a little bit of credit, I guess. 
however, still in a, <laughs> that still does not excuse Cyberpunk 2077. Okay. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> uh, Terraria uh, has canceled its Google Stadia port based on the inability of one of the developers to uh, log into Google. <laughs> Uh, his all of his Google accounts got locked out, and upon weeks of dealing with customer service, uh, he was unable to get back in, and so he canceled the Terraria version. Yeah, that's pretty wild. It is pretty wild. It is, I think, just hilarious all around. <laughs> like that's the catalyst that sparked a uh, game getting canceled. But yeah, for for all the reasons you could possibly choose to not go through with something. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it's like Google has become such an ingrated part of a lot of people's lives. Like in his tweet, he says he lost access to his Gmail of 15 years. It's like there's a lot of yeah. history and a lot of information oh, no. on that. So, like, you know, these things have become such an important part of our lives. It's hard to imagine, like, the the consequences of losing it. And, you know, in a, with a company as large as Google, you'd think that they'd be able to be a little bit more helpful on figuring that out, especially when you have a developing relationship about a game studio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> think. You know, um, think you'd have that. Yeah. So that was just pretty funny. I think, uh, especially to see a little bit more of Google Stadia kind of following in falling into irrelevance. Yeah. Uh, you could, you can clearly see them that, possibly not caring about it really anymore if they yeah, just let might, this go maybe, maybe the next couple of years google stadia might not be a thing anymore yeah uh other game developer news zenimax is being merged into quote vault which is going to be a new independent uh subsidiary under microsoft it's basically just a legal thing uh this doesn't really mean anything zenimax is still going to do what they were doing before just under a new name to kind of separate them from the microsoft games business or the xbox studios you know thing uh so i figured that was just at least a little worth mentioning so we have no what is going on with that uh but speaking of cd project red oh, uh, this is the oh yeah <laughs> they <laughs> fell victim to a cyber attack recently uh i haven't really looked into it too much because i'm trying to separate myself from any cd project red related news since it seems we have been smothered with it over the last several months uh but basically yeah they got they got cyber attacked which is very ironic um and a lot of their data has been being leaked like someone leaked the gwent source code um so i like i said i haven't looked into it so there you probably know a little bit more about it yeah i want to say at this point the witcher 3 source code has been leaked and cyberpunks yeah that makes sense Yikes. So things are not looking good for, for CD Projekt Red. My headphones just freaked out. Um, they did release a statement, uh, which I haven't read. <laughs> I forgot to read it. Um, but they basically, they're standing firm. They, they are not uh, going to give in to the demands of the attackers. Uh, also, have you guys read this, this notepad document? that they sent to CD Projekt Red, because it is hilarious. Classic uh, hacker rant, like... Yeah, like, um, the first line in the note is, YOUR HAVE BEEN EPICALLY PONED. EPICALLY is all caps. (laughs) This is another pretty funny... (laughs) Pretty funny circumstance for another one of these, uh, you know, game studios. Uh, But Uh, that... Quick correction... uh, 
the source code for Witcher 3 and Cyberpunk has not been leaked, but they have been sold off. Oh, okay. So they were auctioned off uh, already. So someone has bought them. Yeah. Oh, boy. And based on this note, it also seems that the hackers have encrypted their servers, uh, dumped all their documents relating to accounting, administration, legal, HR, investor relations, and more. Um, so this is uh, pretty ironic. They, they did have backups for those, I did see, that have already been, like, saved. Like, they've yeah. already got that info back, but still, that's uh, pretty yeah, wild. But given given the concept of the game that they just released, uh, yeah. it is a, that is a pretty fitting thing. You know, it does suck. You know, CD Projekt Red, albeit their uh, recent blunderings, are still humans and don't really deserve to go through this, but um, it is it is kind of funny in a way. But that is going to do it for our for the quick time event. Uh, so moving on to our main top stories, not topics, because that'll come later. Uh, first up, the WB Games Nemesis system patent was approved after multiple attempts to get that patent approved. Um, I don't know much about the Nemesis system, but what I do know is that it is one of the most unique parts about the Shadow of Mordor games. Um and the fact that it is patented is kind of sucks because that means that, uh, you know, that system in in its current form or, or I assume loosely related forms can't be used in any other kinds of games. And, you know, developers can't kind of tweak or refine that system now because of the patent. Yeah, it's a, a weird, like, I, looking at the, the patent, like, I feel like you could still develop a system that kind of emulates what the Nemesis system does without like doing it this way, but like it still is kind of a a weird thing to patent. It, yeah. I, there was I, uh, there was thinking I read about another company, another game company who patent patented uh like an idea like this and it just like it was like why like yeah like why they're not even like releasing games that use this exactly right like the last one was shadow of war yeah uh, which when when did that come out 20 2018 2019 2017 oh wow so even earlier yeah so it's been almost yeah. four years and since that game came out and from what i hear uh shadow of war didn't get received quite as well as shadow of mordor so based on the success of that game it seems unlikely that wb is even going to be like making new shadow of blank games yeah i there is i did see some stuff that talked about like maybe uh it would um be they would have like a version of it in uh what do you call it the uh the, oh. the the Harry Potter game that's yes, coming out or yes, something. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, like having yeah. a rival wizard or whatever. Yeah, and like defeating their goons or I don't know, you know, like it's, yeah, it's a how cool. Does it, the, how does the Nemesis system work in Shadow of Mordor? Because I I'd like to I'm, I'd like to know. From from what I remember, it like the basis of it is there's like several like NPC orcs around the the zones there's like i think because i think it's different per zone um that there's and like there's a hierarchy and you like by killing the low level peons helps 
like find and draw out the the high like the higher level generals and stuff like that and um the whole thing is like if you don't kill them so like they'll you won't always like kill them completely and they'll like come back later like randomly and like have like scars or like they're the characters like learn like if you killed it with a fire attack beforehand it would come back and it would like would be wearing metal armor or something instead so like it wouldn't light on fire as easily or something like that or it would be afraid of fire and like would run if you pulled out like a fire sword or something like that like it's it's a pretty cool system and yeah. it's something that like i feel like rpg like it's a for RPGs, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, it mentions in the article that like technically Odyssey, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, had like a similar system, and that like you there was like the mercenary system in Odyssey, and you like killed the mercenaries above you to like take their place in the ranking, mm-hmm. and then like but the other ones were like you would discover other ones that like would try to fight you back, but it wasn't as in depth as. The nemesis system yeah this is. sounds this sounds really intuitive really cool i'd love to see other developers now take a spin on this but it looks like we won't get that chance right yeah like well so all right go ahead and say yeah so from what i'm thinking with this whole why they pushed to have a patent done for this honestly i think they might just be patent uh patenting it i think i said that right um to sell licenses so that other companies can take that idea and they can make money off of it if anybody wants to actually use it yeah that's 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 the whole uh you know corporate video game greed that we've kind of been seeing with a lot of the uh the larger entities trying to insert themselves into the gaming space yeah uh, which which sucks but you know honestly like as a consumer at the end of the day you know regardless of the workarounds and the the financial side of things if we do get to see some form of it you know, done well in another game, then, then great. Yeah, I, I bet that I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they end up doing. If they end up just licensing, it out, licensing, licensing it out to people. Yeah. Yeah. All right. From what I've seen, though. Oh, sorry. No, nope, uh, go for it. Yeah. So from from what I've seen, though, with the Nemesis system, I think it's pretty interesting. Um, I didn't play, uh, Shadow of War or uh, Shadow of Mordor. But I did see a bunch of like random, you know, like when you're scrolling through YouTube and you just get a bunch of random recommended videos or whatever. There was a time where I was getting Shadow of Mordor um, recommended videos and it would be like, what happens when you like uh, constantly shame or like scar uh, the your nemesis? And it, it was really interesting to see like the the way that it affected the enemy if you let them live and just like mark them and like shame them yeah yeah and like it, they would just keep coming back and every time they come back they'd be like a lower level um and they wouldn't their confidence will go down a lot and their dialogue would change um and it, if you went far enough to shame them every single time uh, uh you you fought them they would pretty much like lose coherency almost like they'd go insane that sounds super cool yeah like they will lose their minds and like start babbling in things and and it was just really interesting to see like that that type of mental deterioration made uh through your actions in the game and that 
that is a pretty cool system for an RPG. Yeah, it seems like it creates so many micro narratives within the game and can spe- it can mean the game experience is different for everybody based on how they interact with it. Right. Exactly. I love I love when games do stuff like that. So this is a pretty sad news, you know. It seems we have Microsoft who's trending towards like let's all be buds, you know. Everyone, everybody love everybody. Just everybody share everything, type of thing. And then we have things like this and Sony and Nintendo with their exclusivity. Um, So excuse me, it sucks. Uh, But uh, another thing that seems pretty cool that I hope doesn't get patented is the MetaHuman Creator. Uh, did you see this, guys? I took a, a little peek at it, but uh, enlighten me. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's basically the recently announced Unreal Engine Five, um, is supposed to be the next big, you know, engine for video games. Uh, and so the MetaHuman Creator is essentially a sneak peek at the way that they're going to make photorealistic humans and games going forward uh and from what we've seen so far it looks pretty insane yeah so i took i took a look into the article because like one of one of my favorite things is like game design especially like graphic design for textures and uh concept art and all that kind of other stuff and this character creation engine is actually really really crazy because it not only does it facilitate the use to be able to make original characters and and make them like super photorealistic but and there goes my train of thought sorry i'm i'm actually <laughs> like really baffled cuz i'm looking at the pictures now and if i didn't know that these were like you know pre-rendered like characters or whatever i'd say that they look like almost real like almost almost real some of these yeah. pictures actually just straight up look like a person and that's mind-blowing to me, thinking of how far graphic design and, you know, game design has gone into making, like, photorealistic graphics for games. Like, yeah. next-gen stuff is It's like, wild. imagine imagine telling somebody in the 90s who has just played Final Fantasy VII for the first time, the fucking marvel of video game technology, you know, in that era, showing them this and saying, this is what video games are going to be. And that would probably like yeah. their heads would just fall off their skulls because like it's it's pretty nuts looking at this. You know, I wish that our our podcast was an audio or a, a visual podcast as well so that we could show you this. But uh, it's just it's just like I'm super excited to see where this technology goes. You know, combine combine this with things like the DualSense uh, and you know what PS5 is doing and just the next gen consoles in general um, and really high end PCs and like gaming is is taken off we're, we're going yeah. places it it's cool too because this doesn't just have implications for for video games but uh unreal the unreal engine is used all uh by a lot of uh like cgi production companies for like modern film and tv cgi so this also means that like cgi people in movies and stuff will be this much easier to to render and create like the fact like the fact that it it says in the the article like it's going to go down from taking like months to weeks to do to literally less than an hour wow like that's that's, yeah that's that's, that's that's insane that's insane and that we've talked i think we've talked about this 
on the podcast before, maybe when they first unveiled the Unreal Engine 5, but I think Triangle like, mode? No, well, yeah, not just triangle mode, but like a big thing about Unreal Engine 5 is how it's taking these uh, like tasks that used to take hours or like days and days to like render and create these things, uh, like pulling in like real life models and stuff like that, now take like less than an hour to do. And that's like, I'm sure once we start seeing the first few on like Unreal Engine 5 games, it, it, like it's gonna blow our minds it'll be unreal yeah um yeah it's always mind-boggling to to like think about it's it's like imagining a new color right like you can't fathom how like the technology is going to evolve um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's like i'm seeing this and i'm thinking to myself this is it right this is as far as we go there's right. nothing there's nothing past this but i'm sure 10 years from now they're going to come out with unreal engine you know six or seven and it's going to blow my mind again so it, it, it makes like shit like the matrix seem less and less like science fiction and more as possible science yeah right like yeah it's it's wild yeah and it's like like you said how this has implications outside of video games then we can see like you know maybe this is a good is like a way to kind of keep the spirit of like deceased actors alive right because we saw it in star wars yeah uh, right right yeah and it was almost it like i didn't even know that in uh rogue one right that was the one that moff yeah. tarkin was cgi yeah 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 yep. i didn't even know and, and like you could like if i didn't if, if anybody told me i would never have guessed uh just because like i don't know if that comes down to the actual quality of it or just me uh but i think but like it was well a little well done in that regard but then you have things like the mandalorian and jose have you seen the mandalorian i've been watching bits and pieces of it yeah all right so without spoiling anything the cgi character they use in that show looked a little rough around the edges at times so like imagine like if they are able to kind of streamline this process and make it look better then things like that can just be avoided and that'll be really yeah cool. right right I i've been watching the all the Marvel movies uh, again recently, and uh -huh. uh, some of the de-aged stuff, uh, like an Ant-Man with um, what's his face, like uh, with Tony with with Hank Pym. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Ant-Man. Like you can kind of tell, and then like yeah, Tony in in Civil War is like okay, yeah, he looks a little weird, but then you see um, Samuel L. Jackson in Captain Marvel, and that is very difficult to like. That looks just like how he did in uh when he was younger and it's like holy shit like i wouldn't if you asked me like if you told me that it was cgi i would be like no it's like he's just wearing makeup like this is clearly yeah. makeup but no it, like they cgi'd it yeah it's see, really cool this is the first time i'm hearing that that was cgi so yeah. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> they aged him yeah that's it's pretty I, it's pretty insane yeah, it was supposed to be nick fury in the 90s damn yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah, so this yeah, this is insane. This is really awesome for the future of uh not only video games but all media. Uh welcome to the 21st century. Cuz this is <sighs> this is pretty mind-boggling. Like uh, uh, not to continue going like to keep going on this but like I just <laughs> eventually like stunt people like the the evolution of stunts in films is going to be crazy because no longer will a stuntman have to like perform a stunt like for real like they'll just be able to do it in like a safe environment and then like 
a CGI person will just be copied and it'll look exactly right. And that's mm. kind of cool. Yeah, you can potentially save like lives and injuries from happening. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's super fucking cool to see this. Um but enough about that. The speaking of the dual sense and kind of, you know, evolving technologies, the PlayStation 5 controller has been exhibiting drift. Uh, oh no! So another cut, Nintendo situation. Time Woo. to cut Nintendo some slack, I guess. Not that Nintendo I, has handled their situation very well, but I guess controller fact, is the thing that happens. Yeah, just the fact that it's happening again is like a little bit concerning, especially in the Dual Sense, which is supposed to be the pinnacle of gaming technology right now. Um. Apparently, the the process for getting it fixed is a hassle right now, which honestly I think is expected because if this is a problem that is just surfaced, then I don't expect Sony to have a like a process in place mm-hmm. to to rectify it. Especially like, you know, look at Sony's uh, refund policy, kind of getting a look at with the Cyberpunk stuff. Uh, maybe this is a a good kick in the boot uh, for Sony to to get this in order too. I feel like they'll have an easier time than Nintendo fixing this because it's not, it's probably more likely uh, just a defect in the controllers themselves than uh, a design flaw in the controller. Because that's mm-hmm. the problem with the Nintendo Drift and why it's like so difficult to fix is because it's so compact and it, like it is like a weird, it's a, uh, I can't remember what it, like the touch sensitive pad <clears throat> is like, it's very easy for other things to get in contact with it where i'm sure with like the plate the, you know the dual sense like i'm sure there's not a much different in this than there is you know the ps4 controller and so like i'm sure fixing the uh whatever part is in there is probably simple and i i bet it yeah. won't be as susceptible to drift and it's probably something that's easy for them to like in oh in future models hey let's not use like let's make sure this part is good and and whatever. Like they can QA that yeah. a little bit better. Then I I'm, think Nintendo was just like, we designed our controllers bad and now we're paying for it, but we're not gonna acknowledge it. Yeah, and I wonder really like at what the root of the problem is too, because I've seen some people suggesting that they could fix it with a firmware update. Um, but you know, it's still a little bit confusing to me how they could fix a physical issue with the cons with the console or controller through a patch uh like a digital patch but um but then I've, I've also seen other people say like maybe they get their parts from the same manufacturer as nintendo right or like yeah, at least that's, that's a fair part. yeah yeah like i've even read stuff like i had a joy con drifting a while ago i tried to read into the problem and sometimes it's a uh it's a matter of how sensitive the sensor is that inputs direction and if it gets dirt or grime underneath of it that gets in the way of the sensor reading properly. So that could also be an issue. Yeah, maybe these people are, are just always playing their PS5 with, like, Cheetle all over their fingers, and it just, like, gets in there. <laughs> which, yeah, I mean, which... it's, it's a lot of kids playing games, so, you know, they, they don't necessarily have the cleanest hands. Yeah, um, that visual yeah, is very, that I... that visual's very upsetting to me because the yeah. PS5 controller is white. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's awful. Nice I, orange I actually, covered. I bought myself a PS5 controller for my, for my PC because these things are really 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 comfortable yeah like they're so much better than the uh the playstation 4 controllers and i I actually opened it up 
to see like what it looked like inside and if, if there's anything I could actually like feasibly fix if uh, if it ever like if anything ever broke or whatever and from what I've seen the Joy-Cons themselves like the the drips or the sorry the the analog sticks they're in pretty good and they seem to be pretty solidly built um the thing that would probably fix the drift in terms of like a firmware update would be to slightly increase the dead zone for input which what that means is essentially when the uh when the controller is not being touched it doesn't uh it doesn't register anything even though it's technically inputting something because you're in neutral uh but when there's drift it's inputting to a certain direction so if they increase the radius of the of the dead zone by a little bit it could remove that uh that extra like little uh, part that's being touched by the sensor and it would require you to push a little bit farther up with the controller but i mean when you're when you're playing the game when you're moving you're already holding it to the to the corner of the uh of the of the socket mm-hmm. so it wouldn't really be that the big of a problem to to increase the dead zone um yeah that, it, that makes sense yeah okay yeah. i didn't even think it like think about it like that yeah if 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 it's just a small you know radius increase on that dead zone then it could probably fix the problem just fine yeah and it's it seems like something really simple that sony can just whip up in like a week but for some reason they haven't really addressed it nor really tried but i mean i don't work at sony or anything so i can't really speak on their behalf yeah but it seems like an easy fix yeah and nintendo tried it too and for some cases it actually did work uh, increasing the dead zone and others is just a sensor that has to be replaced and you know how uh how you mentioned earlier where there there can be grime on the uh on the pieces themselves which can force the the sensor to trip yeah and the nintendo joy cons are i think just inherently flimsier in their design so it makes a little more sense that it would be more susceptible to problems like this you know because people who have gotten their drifts fixed from joy cons end up you know experiencing problems again you know weeks sometimes after getting them back yeah um, and it's because they're small yeah like the the switch is so compact that the the parts are so small that it, it's kind of not really worth your time or money to uh to get those fixed because they'll just break right back yeah so hopefully uh we see sony take a little swifter and and more firm action on on fixing this problem if it continues to persist um but for now could be a little bit concerning (laughs) um but speaking of nintendo apparently remember that uh that goldeneye 007 remaster that we talked about last week Mm. so apparently it was inevitably canceled by nintendo uh and I believe the phrase 90 bugs left has been thrown around, which means they were really fucking close to releasing this game. And basically they got it approved through almost every Avenue and Nintendo. Every single person they talked to was like, yep, do it. Except for one, except for one dude who, you know, ended up having the most executive power in the situation said no. And so that was the reason that this game got canceled. That sucks. Yeah, that's, uh, that's so shitty. Especially like the game was like done. It sucks a but, lot. Like, imagine, imagine saying that 
you have okay from literally everybody, but you don't bother to check on like the most important person in the company. Yeah, yeah like, right. That's that's just user error. Like <laughs> But on the on the other side though, like if every single person in the company except for this one dude is saying yes, then why doesn't that dude just like kinda take a take a hint and say yes also? So right, either way, yeah, like, it's just it's so weird the disconnect. I I guess too, like back then, like the idea of of a Nintendo game being on a, a Microsoft like childlike Nintendo on, you know, angry adult gamer Microsoft system, like that was like, no, we that's we don't want to be associated with them. Yeah, but and, and this now, is all back in like 2006, 2007. So that was when the relationship was a little more like exclusives were much more common back then. This is before all of the the handholdiness that we've had in the last few years. And right, wasn't that was around the time I think that Microsoft had bought Rare or no hadn't bought Rare, but like had a relationship with Rare, and Nintendo's relationship with Rare had basically like gone away. Yeah. So maybe they were a little bit sour. Nintendo's yeah. always been very. Uh very focused on sorry on their own uh products and they they want to be as original as possible and even sometimes push away uh things that would otherwise be profitable like yes triple <laughs> uh, the 007 game yeah or because uh, they have porting mother pride. 3 yeah, or exactly. virtual console we can we can talk about it literally <laughs> for the next 2 hours and still be listing things off Oh, we we I think of... we've done it before, probably. We yeah, I, I feel like, like us. in all our conversations about Nintendo's dis- decision-making process, we probably <laughs> could have made them over a billion dollars. Honestly, and like <laughs> yeah, Derek's been saying it the whole time. Just release Switch Pro, you guys. Just release it. I know you've made it. Just release it. <laughs> <laughs> if it ends up releasing, I think I I think I said I owe Derek a calzone. That is true. That is written into into law. <laughs> I can't wait to read an article in like a year that says Switch Pro canceled because <laughs> I talked about it too much on podcast. I, I don't want to be the downer. This one but... guy from Rhode Island fucked up our plan. <laughs> yeah, so I don't want to be the downer, but I strongly believe we're not going to get a Switch Pro. Oh, trust me, Just Jose. Because... We've uh, we've <laughs> we've done this back and forth a bunch we've... of times. Jeff and I are also firmly in the camp that we will not get it. Well, the reason why I think so, and I was in the in the Switch Pro boat for forever because I want a stronger Switch. I want my games to to be running at a better quality and and you know buttery smooth, whatever. Anyway, uh, I think they're not going to release a Switch Pro because of the new Monster Hunter game, Monster Hunter Rise. They have a special Switch for Rise. Yeah, like that's their exclusive new, um, like just like the new skins, Nintendo right? Switch. It, the well, it's it's like etched in decals. Yeah, for the it's Switch. Hard mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't think that they'll be releasing the Switch Pro if they're gonna be releasing that new version of the Switch because they would have made a a Monster Hunter Rise Switch Pro. If they were gonna do it, because they know how well Monster Hunter World and Iceborne did, and how much money that raked into their company, I really doubt that they would have missed out on an opportunity to not only have a Switch Pro launch, but also sell the exclusive skin for the new game that's been overhyped for like the last who knows how long. Yeah, um, yeah. 
That's it. It's, it's sad. It, it's very sad, and I really wish that they did make a Switch Pro, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, we've definitely had this uh, this runaround several times on the show before, <laughs> uh, and I think at the end of it all, we always say uh, what Nintendo does will never make sense, doesn't make sense. There's no predicting what they're going to do. So they're yeah. going to do what they want to do. Exactly. So that's why I have to try to make as least sense as possible when I come up with my ideas. How can the also enemy true. know what we're doing if we don't know what we're doing? Right. If, to be to predict Nintendo, you have to think unlike Nintendo. <laughs> well, apparently thinking like Nintendo is very petty because they were the reason that that Golden Eye yeah. got canceled. If you think like them, they've already sad. canceled the idea. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, Not so. to mention the, uh, the Melee debacle. Oh my god, yeah, don't even get me started. I know, I know. Uh, I was very pissed. I was also mad, yeah. Um, well, that is very sad. And our last piece of news this week is that E3 has plans to push forward with a digital 2021 event. So we all know that E3 got canceled last year. Everyone was very sad about it. We had a lot of conversation about it. Uh, but it seems this year is the return. Uh, you know, I was of the opinion that we likely wouldn't see E3 ever again. But, you know, I'm pleasantly surprised to see that they still are firmly in that camp that they want to that they want to come back. Uh, so seems pretty cool, but I wonder how on board other developers are because it seems that they may have taken the opportunity of, of the time off to kind of develop their own plans. I wouldn't be surprised if, if them announcing that they're doing this, um, digital event also coincides with them making sure that, uh, cause I'm sure every, every, game company was going to have some kind of showcase for around that time like it's it's e3 it's happened every year for so many years like they know that uh their that their customers are looking forward to this like first week of june where all the news drops so i'm sure at least you know microsoft sony uh capcom you know ubisoft ea had some sort of announcement planned for that time period and i feel like e3 saying hey we're having this digital event means they've like guaranteed like, Hey, we want to do this. Will you do your stuff as a part of it so that we have like content? Mm. So I, I feel like so, something, some, some big players must have had to have signed on. Yeah. I didn't consider that, you know, if they, uh, if they're already announcing that it's going to happen, then they clearly must have something in place already. Yeah. Right. right. So yeah. I mean, I'm definitely excited. You know, I love E3. I was a little bit sad that once I kind of became a fan of just of just video games as a collective like medium instead of because my almost my entire childhood and young adult life I was a Nintendo fan. You know, through and through I played Nintendo all the time. I had a PS4, but I wasn't really very active on it. I'd played a couple of games, but now I'm I'm all in everything uh, except Xbox. Uh, so, like, seeing E3 get canceled last year was a bit of a bummer because then I I wasn't actually able to to like be invested in all of the the happenings there. Mm -hmm. Um, so I hope that that what we get this year is is nice. But I also hope that given the events of various announcements and releases of the last year, that they don't fall into the same trappings of of hype. You know, I hope they're a little more realistic with what they actually do announce. We can hope. Yeah. Uh, but this is pretty cool. Uh, I think that we 
we'll definitely keep an ear out for you going forward. Um, but that is all we got for news. Uh, unless you guys have anything that I did not mention. Don't think so. I think you kind of hit all the all the big stuff for the week. All right. Well, then, in that case, let's take a break because I got to piss. Okay. Good reason to take a break. <laughs> all right. We'll be right back. returned and jose every week on the show we talk about not only the gaming news but the games that we have been playing since we are all avid gamers uh and it's fun to talk about the day-to-day in our uh gaming time times i don't know that kind of deal derailed at the end there uh but i'm gonna start with the games i've been playing since it is a quite short list uh and that is that during the last week i have played from start to finish, the medium. Uh, oh, you! I got through it all. Yeah, it's, oh, wow. it's 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 very short. It's like eight hours maximum. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah, so basically, I guess the way you know, I, I almost in a way want to reserve my thoughts a little bit so that Jeff can can talk about it in his review. But that review is probably not coming out for a couple of weeks anyway. So, so whatever. Uh, basically, the way I would describe it is that it is a Resident Evil game without zombies or guns or action uh so it's like what is it it's hard for me it's it's like a walking sim like there are there are puzzles but i i want to say i want to say that it's compared more to silent hill which i I don't i've never played silent hill hill. yeah Yeah. it sounds it sounds more like a silent hill game yeah yeah Mm -hmm. it's like a walking simulator but there are some puzzles there's a lot of like like fake puzzles in the game like you know you'll get an object right like a like a pocket knife and then there'll be you'll walk into a room and there'll just be something that you have to cut with your pocket knife and like that's their version of a puzzle like that happens so often and it's just like (laughs) why did you just put why did you put this obstacle here in the first place you're just you're not loading anything you're not like you know making me use my brain you're just making me click a button and it just takes like a minute um because i played on the pc and yes, I played with keyboard and mouse controls. Don't at me. Uh, so the motion for using your pocket knife on certain, on like, it's always the same exact thing that pops up. It's never like used in various ways. It's it's always the same one. Uh, the way to do that is to physically move your mouse down to cut. Uh, but the problem is it moves so slow that you have to like reposition your mouse seven times during the process. Uh, so it's just a, it's just cumbersome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the whole uh, you know dual world thing is pretty cool, like conceptually, but it's nothing that hasn't been done in something like Link to the Past. Um, you know, like it, it's kind, it has that same feel uh, between the light world and the dark world in that game. Um, mm-hmm. And the problem with this is that since most like a lot of the time when you're going between them or like there's like there's scripted moments where you're in both at the same time but when that happens the resolution tanks <laughs> like it goes it goes from a 1080p game to like a 360p game and that is not an Oof. exaggeration Oof. like That's pretty bad yeah it, it is it is pretty rough um so overall though I, I really liked the story uh that was obviously the driving factor but just playing through it is so tedious in my notes, I have more like the tedium. 
<laughs> um, so yeah, I'll let uh, I'll kind of let Jeff really uh, dive in deep in his review when he posted it, but that's uh, that's what I played this week. Uh, I also played Skyward Sword, but I'm gonna save some of my thoughts on that until we do the episode on that one. So, Jose, tell me what you've been playing. I know at least okay. one game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I've been going back and forth with a bunch of games. Most of my week has been on Monster Hunter World, or Monster Hunter World Iceborne, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of fun. I mean, it's it's just, it's fun to interact with viewers and help them get through tough quests and whatnot. And I even, just today, downloaded a, uh, a mod that adds extra quests to the game. And does something to the monsters called uh, Arch Tempering, where essentially it just pisses them off like really, really bad and makes them harder to kill and makes them faster. And okay. that's a lot of fun. Huh. Nice. Uh, I also played Breath of the Wild for the first time Ooh. on stream. Nice. It was, uh, that was a trip. Don't tell Derek. What? Derek doesn't like Breath of the Wild. Really? It's not my favorite Zelda for <laughs> uh, a variety of of reasons. Give me your top three gripes with Breath of the Wild. Uh, all right. The um, <laughs> the <laughs> uh, the durability system is dumb. Uh, the game does, has probably the worst payoff in the history of of games. Uh, in, in the history in of the, games. Yeah. That boss fight is. Oh, you mean the final boss? Yeah, I think the I think the the dungeons uh, are a little are a little uninspired and uh, could have taken more hints from the the highlight of the game for me were the the uh, the shrines, and I did a lot of the shrines, and I wish the dungeons were just bigger shrines also tied in with like normal zelda dungeons and they were just kind of just like little gimmicky things with not great boss fights at the end yeah i i agree with you with all those three things honestly i did not like the durability system i thought that or okay i like the durability system for some aspects of the game like i i understand why they did it but why the why the can I swear? Can I swear? Yeah, we've done it. Yeah. You've already done it on this show. <laughs> oh, okay. Well then, why the fuck did they give the Master Sword durability? Right. What the right. hell? What the hell? Yeah. Why did I work my ass off to get all those hearts to then pull out a wimpy ass Master Sword that isn't even full power? It's not even the strongest weapon in the game. It's not. It's really. It's just mediocre at best. And like you go through the trials because I, I did all the DLC or most of it. And I did 120 uh, shrines or whatever, and it was a lot of fun. Are you going to get uh, all the Korok seeds? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> 900 plus Korok seeds? Are you kidding me? No. No. For for what? A golden turd at the end? Yeah. Like they, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. It's a gift. Like, it's Hestu's gift. No. No. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I was frustrated with the, with the Master Sword Trials. I was frustrated with uh, durability. I thought that the uh, the divine beasts were really cool, uh, were were a really cool concept, but the fact that all they did was have you turn them, and like reposition some parts of it was really lame. It's like, 
the shrines had more creativity than the the actual dungeons. Right, right. That and, yeah, that's my that, that is one of my biggest gripes is these yeah. these and I guess when you look at how they designed the game in the sense that like technically you don't have to do those at all and right. you could just do the shrines to get your power up to a high enough level and then you could just go fight Ganon like that like okay yeah that's I like that idea but make that content that side content still that other you know the the shrine not shrine the divine beast content still like worth doing make those quests like more worth doing i feel like right. the the best part about them was just getting to know the the locals of of hyrule and not necessarily like you know the culminating thing which was you know taking control of this divine beast was kind of just like this tedious little like the the, the only threat was like some occasional goo you had to maybe shoot an arrow at and like yeah. it, it were very very felt very like uninspired and the, yeah like the only thing that was really threatening was when you actually were exploring outside of the of the main dungeon mm -hmm. and whatnot. Mm -hmm. like you'd run into a lionel with three hearts and you'd be like oh god you know like you don't want to fuck with that thing or or uh hinox or whatever the hell any of those yeah. big baddies like they they would you know be like the the gatekeepers they they keep you from going to that one spot unless you you know ran around and were good at dodging right but, right no, I, I totally agree, and I think while Breath of the Wild may not be, like, the best Zelda game, I still don't think it's bad. I think... Oh, right, the, yeah, it's definitely not a bad game. Yeah, no, it's it's still a lot of fun. Uh, the world-building is great, you know, meeting all the side characters and all the... Uh, learning what happened after Link went to sleep was really cool. I thought the whole aspect of the story was awesome. Yeah. But gameplay-wise, it's lacking. Hmm. And I, I think like these 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 are the reason like these are the reasons why Jeff and I said like after this game came out that Breath of the Wild two is going to be the greatest game of all time <laughs> is because you can only it, improve on it. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. If you know if we know Nintendo, we know that like when they make like the first game in a in a series of something, it's kind of like that proof of concept. And when they follow up with the second game, uh, usually they they knock it out of the park. I feel like we've seen them do it time and time again uh with stuff like like splatoon 1 was was interesting but then splatoon 2 is actually like a pretty awesome and cool game uh like actually, mario, those super are mario the brothers they, are they, they just the they're same they're the same yeah wow well uh, i mean i like I splatoon 2 more but 3d mario games you know like they're they're good at iterating paper mario on their uh like High-profile IPs like Mario, like Zelda, uh, yeah, Super Smash not, Brothers, not Pokemon, uh, not Pokemon, because they don't <laughs> they internally develop Pokemon. Um, so I, I, yeah, like I think they'll they're like while they might not change all of our gripes, you know, dur weapon durability, they might stick by weapon durability, but I feel like they'll do it in a better way that feels a little bit better. Right. Yeah, Breath of the Wild two should be pretty interesting. Uh, did you guys see those leaks, or is that something we should talk about? I did not hear about leaks. No. So there's been like leaks every month, man. We try, yeah. Usually, unless they have like major credibility to them, we try not to bring leaks up because they okay. are like most of the time baseless speculation. But do tell. Okay. So there was this pretty big leak a while ago, or actually not a while ago. It was pretty recent. Uh, Breath of the Wild two should be or is speculated to come out. Uh, third quarter of this year. 
Oh, we've definitely been speculating about it. We yeah. Have a, uh, okay. We have a few ongoing bets. Maybe not bets per se, but like kind of suspicions. Yeah, or like just games that we're playing outside of the podcast uh, that involve things like release dates. Like you know, like we have a bingo. Kinda. Okay. Um, okay. And so, whether or not Breath of the Wild two comes out this year is definitely a hot topic among that. Um, so I'm definitely interested. I I would love it. I like I want that game as soon as possible. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I'm definitely I, I'm uh kind of keeping it at arm's length for now. True. That's that's a smart way to look at it. Yeah. I just got excited because you know Breath of the Wild two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> real real quick, uh, Adam, what have I done? How did what I have? How do I, how did I bring in a person to the podcast and just have them complain about Earth of the Wild for five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, man. <laughs> how did I, I? I did not see this coming. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> whoops. Uh, all right. Well, uh, what else have you been playing, Jose? Anything? Um, I went back to Resident Evil Two. The the oh uh, yeah, you're doing like uh, some more runs, right? Yeah, so I was trying to get some of the the hidden weapons in it by like beating the game really fast. Nice. Uh, that game. I fantastic. never did that stuff. It it's so much fun. Like, yeah. You should you should definitely revisit and try to get uh, an S rank on your run. Uh, I don't know. I'm pretty bad at video games. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been I've been more focused on playing all of the Resident Evil games because since I played three and two last year. I have mm. I've loved it and we played we just played four all of us um as part of our uh, kind of book club. Oh, um that that just reminded me. I actually played through one on stream too. Oh nice. Like the the remade version that they did. The, yeah, the one for GameCube. I the think PC it's, port. It's on yeah, the PC port. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, I've like, been I oh, own shit. it on my PlayStation. I've been meaning to go to it. I own 5, 6 and 7. I want to play 7 at the very least before 8 comes out. Yeah. Um uh, but nice. How do you, so what, what do you like about, uh, Resident Evil one compared to two? Cause I know it's uh, like very different. It's, it feels really classic. First of all, I think I really like the, the fixed angles on some parts of the game. Mm. Although like the fixed camera angles can really fuck you over. Yeah. Like, which is intentional though, because of the horror right. nature. Right. Right. Like you don't know what's going to be around the corner. Like, I turn the corner, and then I see, like, five zombies just breaking through the windows and shit and scaring the hell out of me. But, <laughs> like, that game still finds ways to scare me, which is crazy, thinking, like, oh, this game doesn't really look that scary. And then, you know, and you actually play it. But the puzzles were really cool. Um, but it's it plays kind of clunky, but it's, I mean, it's a PlayStation 1 game. Yeah, I would love to see them do that one in kind of the over-the-shoulder style that 2 and 3 have. Yeah, yeah. We also have four coming up, or fingers crossed. In theory, in theory, they they stopped development and they restarted. Yeah. So that that's pretty pretty exciting. But yeah, yeah that's that's it for now. That's that's all I've been playing. Sweet. Uh, all right, uh, Adam, why don't you give me what you got? Uh, the only real big thing I've been playing this week that's new is I picked up Blue Fire on the Switch. Mm. I saw that game. That looks like a weird fusion of like. Hollow Knight and Zelda and Dark Souls. How is it? Uh, I'm not too far in. I actually just got to like the first uh, quote unquote dungeon. Okay, and, like, so, so it's like, like it's like a 3D platformer, right? Kind of. I'd say it's it definitely seems to draw some inspiration from Hollow Knight, Dark Souls, Zelda, and like the dungeon aspect. 
but like gameplay wise it feels a lot more like a platformer okay because even like getting mm. through the world it's crafted is definitely more of timing your jumps and making sure you're dashing at the right distance and all these different things that go with it so I, i've been seeing it's been getting a lot of mixed reviews from places some people say it's you know like not doing any one thing well enough but uh so far i'm kind of enjoying it if i have one big gripe so far i think it's sometimes there's just like a needless amount of platform I mean, like you don't need Did this you... amount of platforming in like the common areas like i'm in a little village yeah and like it is hard to get from place to place because there's no like it's almost like they're making the the distance is too big to dash over okay. so i've got to go through like really do you think convoluted. that well like do you make it eventually or do you think that they're going to give you a power later on that allows you to get I'm over thinking because like i'm in the first dungeon and i just got a set of claws let me wall run okay so that's definitely going to make my traversing the the overworld a lot easier so i'm hoping but it did get me into some particular situations where like i had to get to a platform where i wanted to go investigate it but the only way for me to physically get to it was to drop down and take damage so that's a little bit annoying and on top of that my other one big gripe is that so like it's it's kind of hollow knight and dark souls-esque in the spot in the sense where like the major uh save points are these like statues you can activate but the okay. problem is i have to pay to activate each one okay. so like you'll you'll get to one you might not have enough to do it so in the uh, process so in the process rough. of trying to get enough i'll die and i'll get sent back to the last one i found oh okay so like in the beginning it's just making for a lot of needless backtracking but at the very least like well part of the overall exploration is also uh having to like figure out where the switches are in the world to, like open locks on doors mm -hmm. so at the very least if i do die i have to go back to an older save station like all the switches i had to find are still unlocked so it doesn't at least it doesn't make me go and re-unlock all the doors each time okay so like it's annoying but it could be a lot worse so i'm kind of hoping that the expiration format of it gets a little bit better as i go forward but like all in all it was a 20 dollar game i got it on sale for 17 dollars, so it was worth an nice foreign it was worth a foray into yeah <laughs> i'm definitely interested to kind of see your developing thoughts on it because it out of all of the games that have come out the last you know month and a half uh, in 2021, I uh, aside from like the couple, there's not really been a lot that have caught my eye except for this one. This is really the only one that I have considered getting. So like I remember it, seeing it in one of Nintendo's indie directs last year. Oh really? I don't remember so it at all. That's where I that's where I first saw it, and I thought like, okay, that looks interesting. It's platformer dungeon crawler-y. But like yeah, some of the some of the complaints I've kind of skimmed about online like after i started playing is that it doesn't do the dungeon part as much like there aren't really puzzles beyond figuring out where the switch is mm. so it's more just like go here go here go here go here you're done gotcha and like i am kind of seeing that there really isn't a lot of uh puzzling going on but it's doing other <laughs> things very well <laughs> nice but the coolest thing is that it does have these uh dedicated platforming areas called the void interesting so like i'm still figuring out the lore of the game but like whatever you are whatever order or seem to come before you they use the void as like a training grounds so you find these little portals to it 
and inside is just a pure platforming challenge. Oh. It's like a parkour course for you to go through. And the reward for finishing it is you get an extra health tick on your life bar. That's pretty cool. Yeah, like there's been a few that I've seen that I can't quite reach yet. So I'm assuming it's like one of those, okay, you'll backtrack through here eventually and have a way to get to it sort of thing. Mm. Like that's what I'm hoping for. But it is a like a very interesting way, I think, to have these dedicated platforming sections that could be more challenging without getting in the way of the actual story of the game. Because they definitely are a step up from the normal platforming that's in the overworld. And I think that's a, a pretty neat way to have these more challenging sections and reward you for doing them without making them strictly necessary. Nice. Well, I but definitely yeah, like look I said, forward to to like hearing more about that later on because if your opinion ends up you know trending towards the positive it might be something i'm inclined to pick up yeah like i said at most is like 20 bucks on switch so it's mm. not like a not a crazy investment if you want to give it a try like across the, like maybe look at some reviews like across the internet it's getting anywhere from like a like a four and a half up to an eight depending on who's looking at it so yeah you know everything is subjective so it's very subjective like it depends on what kind of game you like or if you're looking for it to be like, I think for a game like this that's trying to draw from a lot of different genres and inspirations, I think it's never going to nail any one of those perfectly, but I think it, it needs to be its own thing. It like definitely a checks point, a lot of boxes for me. Yeah, I think you would enjoy at least giving it a shot. Like like I said, like the, the movement's a little weird because it, it has one of those... It's not one of those dash mechanics where it's like a fixed dash. You can actually uh, end it early to stop midair. I like that. And so a lot of the platforming is getting used to that mechanic. And I'm just not, it could be that I'm just not used to that mechanic yet. It's yeah, like maybe. I'm over, I'm overshooting a lot of the dashes and ending up dying. Hmm. So that, that's probably part of it. So if you like challenging platforming, I think this is something you'd pick up and it does have sort of the kind of like dark chosen-y vibe that you kind of get from Hollow Knight almost. Yeah. Yeah, like I, looking at some gameplay, it does exhibit a lot of the same energy that Hollow Knight and Dark Souls give off. So, yeah, so like that's why I picked it up. It was more of like a thematic thing that I was enjoying, mm -hmm. other than like you know strictly like oh this gameplay looks awesome, you know. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, like like I said, I'm like maybe 40 minutes in, so more to come. Sweet. All right, Derek, round us out. Uh. Yeah, I don't have uh, too too much. Um, I've been playing more Hitman, starting nice. to round out the end of that. Uh, what else? Your life is just I empty play? now that you're done with Valhalla. Yeah, I like. Well, I, yeah. Oh, so <laughs> I like had to take a mental break. Uh, yeah. <laughs> after after that, um, so I like I, I've been uh, playing. Uh, so I, I think I mentioned I've brought it up in the podcast before. I played this game called Open TTD, uh, oh, which yeah, is yeah. Uh, an open source remake of uh, Transport Tycoon Deluxe, which is like the guy who made Rollercoaster Tycoon, hit one of his first games. So he there's also an open source remake of Rollercoaster Tycoon Two, okay. um, but it requires uh, it's not a it's not free. You have to you have to own Rollercoaster Tycoon Two to use it uh because of i think some lic licensing things so you have to have the actual games data files so i bought um 
Roller Coaster Tycoon and Roller Coaster Tycoon 2. <laughs> <laughs> and I have been playing uh, basically like on my computer screen while I'm working on my other, on like my personal computer. I just have Roller Coaster Tycoon open because it takes forever to do anything in that game. <laughs> hmm. uh, yeah, in the original, I don't, like, did you guys play much of it? Nope. Yeah, I was going to say, like, this was like one of the games that like I randomly got <clears throat> for like Christmas when I was a kid and like eventually I got every single version of the game cuz I like would play it so much and it's like pretty it's it's pretty decent for kind of like a those sim games that were pretty popular in like the late 90s early 2000s um but it's one of like the earlier versions so like there's no everything is super super slow so like to be a level a scenario like you have to wait like i'm at the point where some of them are like you have to wait in game like three to four years and there's no way to speed up time so i think i just beat one that was in game three years and i think it took seven hours like i just had it open on my my computer next to me for seven hours and like every like 20 to 30 minutes i would look over and like maybe build a new ride and then i would go back and do my work and then like an hour later, I would go over and like, oh, I need more mechanics. Okay, back. <laughs> like it's it's pretty archaic in that design, and I know that the open the uh, the open art Rollercoaster Tycoon two version, or I guess it's it's not an acronym, so it technically it's just Open RCT two. It like adds a bunch of those quality of life uh, stuff, like being able to fast forward time, and so I'm thinking oh, about nice. all right. Like I wanted to play the original, like the original version, just to kind of like get that nostalgia and see how it feels. But now I'm like, all right, this is a little too archaic. Like I need to, I need to play the, you know, one that's got all this nice quality of life updates. If I'm not, if I'm not gonna bore myself to death, uh, trying to, <laughs> to do this. So I, I, I've been filling my free time with with that as just kind of like a nice like palate cleanser <laughs> after yeah, Valhalla. <laughs> very, very mindless. I don't have to think about what I'm doing uh like it's one of the you don't have to be invested in any sort of narratives right right and for like a for like a sim game like a management sim game there's very very little management (laughs) active management needed to to get things going i have been playing nothing else all right besides roller coaster psychic all right actually i so i did play more demon souls oh okay and uh i cannot get past the man eater dude it's so rough right yeah i'm gonna have to like i I think i'm just gonna go do somewhere else first the strategy that ended up working for me is just running to the other side of the of the bridge and hiding behind that like like the the altar or whatever the fire in the middle yeah and you just circle around that and then pelt them with magic whenever possible i and then like if you get hit in a single time just run away and heal yeah i've gotten them pretty close like been doing that but it's one of those things where it's like so it can be so inconsistent and it was like hurting me physically like i was just like getting so (laughs) angry that like i needed to go do so So i went and i did uh the the second in the the altar of storms or whatever and i got to be the old one and i started fighting him and then i was dumb and like accidentally like ran too quickly and he found me and like just killed me and i was like god damn it like i was doing so well like sneaking up on him and everything so i know that like i did do some reading and that like apparently if you get firestorm it just like one one shots to the first 
uh, man eater. Yeah. So I'm like, is that one of the boss soul spells? Yeah. So you you have mm-hmm. to beat the the old the dragon god to yep. get it, but it's not. It's pretty far into uh, the inner ward for the first for Boletaria. So it's like you, you have to. It's like a risk. Like yeah. you should beat Man Eater before you even go there. But like if you go there and get that spell, like it get it makes uh, Man Eater like trivial because you just have to fight the one. Yeah, I didn't invest in magic early enough in that game to get that because I was doing a little bit of research myself on things like um the boss souls and what items they'll get you when traded because i was Mm -hmm. like i really want the instant gratification of getting a shit ton of souls now so that i can just upgrade my stats um but but if the things that they give me are really fucking cool like i got i did get the meat cleaver um Uh uh if they're really cool then i want to you know save them for those and so i was holding on to them for way too long and then eventually i was just like i'm not i'm just not gonna get a lot of these you know because a lot of them realistically like the way that you have to uh, invest stats into certain weapons and like upgrade them. It requires a lot of grinding. You know, like you need the materials to actually upgrade the specific types of weapons and then get them right, to a certain right. level. So I just didn't bother. So by the time I had invested in magic, I'd already sold the boss soul that would give me that. So, uh, and the only time I did invest in magic was to actually fight the man eaters. So, <laughs> yeah, I I learned my lesson uh, from earlier Dark Souls games that to keep those uh for a little bit until you know okay i'm not gonna buy whatever is like available for this soul so then i'll i'll use it yeah or if you're just speed running then you just just immediately consume them and uh get the souls because <laughs> yeah. nobody but half half the weapons that you get from that kind of stuff like aren't useful in the game exactly you don't you can't really get them till late (laughs) yeah and then once you do get them then you have to pour a bunch of stats into them anyway right like they're they're only useful if you like play pvp so yeah that's it that's it for me all right sweet uh in that case let's go fucking right into our main topic which i don't think i've actually mentioned (laughs) what it is this episode (laughs) but it'll be in the title of the episode so it's fine uh so we're gonna be talking about video game marketing and kind of game trailers you know, what makes a trailer, what makes uh, us as consumers want to buy video games? Uh, so, guys, what makes you want to buy video, buy video games? Uh, so, honestly, uh, it's all about presentation and content. Absolutely. So, if, uh, if the game looks good, right, and they... What's a, what's a good example for this? Like, I guess... We'll I can use... tell you a bad example. No. <laughs> no, we don't need that one. <laughs> uh, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. That's okay. a great example. Uh, all of the, like, little teasers and, and uh, uh, little trailers that they did here and there to get people excited and to show that they actually do care about the, the community and the, the game itself um showing the updated versions of the characters and and the the uh environments like midgar and everything all of that kept me hooked because you know it's a nostalgia trip so like older games uh are very easy to market to people because when it's a good game that people have been looking for uh forward to getting a remake 
and they're finally providing said remake, all they have to do is is flip that nostalgia button mm-hmm. and be like, yeah, so here's this one thing you really love, but in HD, people will throw money at you all day. Absolutely, they will. <laughs> Personally, I like spending a little bit more on my games and getting like the extra bits and bobs that you get from like the deluxe pack or whatever. So I personally bought the deluxe edition for the new Monster Hunter game, Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, it's going to come out really soon. Uh, I bought it because it has layered armor and uh, other like cool cosmetics that you wouldn't get from just playing the game normally. Mm-hmm. Although like in the game, there will be like layered armor or transmog. Um, you won't get that specific one. And being able to get like little things like that and personalizing the experience of your game and making it unique to you uh, is kind of important for me because if I'm going to be spending a lot of time playing that game, I don't want to feel like I'm playing through the same thing that everybody else is playing through. Like I, I want it to look like something um, catered more towards my taste. Uh, and when I'm able to like spend a little bit of money to, to get cosmetics and other stuff, to, to make my hunter look good or my character or whatever, uh, I'm pretty drawn to that kind of thing. So you're so pre-order bonuses are a big part, a big thing for you then. For me, yeah. Interesting. I, I, I feel like. The, go for it. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I feel like in, uh, like that's a great example of where th- that kind of stuff works and where like micro transactions can kind of at least cosmetic ones can work because like i i kind of agree in the sense that like if i'm going to be playing a game a lot and uh like something like monster hunter where the like there the world is kind of persistent and um you're right it's a shared like you know you can play co-op with other people it's when when you've already gotten your your kind of dollars per, or hours per dollar out of the game you know you've you've gotten your 60 dollars worth like right. it doesn't feel as bad putting in like another five six dollars you know five ten dollars to like i feel like you can you and uh andrew and adam you guys can kind of agree when it comes to like league and buying skins like you've get you get so much out of the game like mm. they, those those little things don't seem too outrageous when it's like i played this game for 400 hours like and this is a pretty cool looking skin that I'm gonna love to play, you know, in and it's gonna make my character look cool, like all right, I'll put you know, I'll I'll put the money in yeah, kind of thing. That's a it's, that's a bad example yeah. for me. Do you not buy league skins? Oh no, I've bought way too many league skins. Yeah. You bought <laughs> and I would not like I would not like to publicly disclose the amount of money I've spent on League of Legends. Yeah, we we don't need to talk about that. But uh like so part of like why I'm okay with it too is purely dependent on the game and the company so mm-hmm. like monster yeah, hunter for example, who, you, who are you supporting <laughs> exactly yeah like like monster hunter uh world and iceborne got so many free title updates that they could have charged people dlc uh wages for mm-hmm. like near the end of uh of iceborne's life cycle they dropped like three really 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 good monsters that they could have charged dlc prices for their gear is really good. The fights are amazing. Uh, the music's amazing. And it's free. They put all, all of that work. Didn't charge you for it. They've got, like, emotes and, uh, and like, little pendants that you can put on your weapons and, and the soundtracks and statues and all that other stuff. 
And there's stuff that I'll buy happily because they've, they've catered so much towards the community that I feel like I actually kind of owe them money. Yeah, I right. Feel like yeah, I right. Them. Like, that, that's definitely, and that's definitely something I think developers are, are taking uh, advantage of, of these days. Yeah, for, like video game marketing has changed so much since like it, it started. Uh, I know, like for me, um, my like exposure to video game marketing was like buying. I like I remember anytime I would go to the like the grocery store uh, with my mom, if I could get if I could like convince her to let me buy. Um, whatever game magazine like the grocery store had that week if it was like back then would it would have been like uh like i think nintendo power was still mm -hmm. was was in it so i i i had a subscription Probably to nintendo power game informer yeah uh game informer i didn't get on until a little like but like cheat code magazines stuff like that and yeah. that was a lot of where i got my exposure to like the ads in those game like physical paper ads you know for for games that's how like i got and they were always so weird uh you know uh, people always love to like post on reddit like classic old ads from like S sony and and nintendo like mm. the, the i think there's like the classic game boy ad where it's like the, the kid's got like a game boy in his hand and there's like a hot chick and <laughs> it's like ah, the they're 90s like, they're like oddly sexual for something that's marketed towards kids. It's it's kind of weird, but like that's I don't know. That was my like marketing exposure, and then the like Game Informer. Yeah, when GameStop uh, bought Game Informer, and then Game Informer became like a piece, uh, like part of your 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 subscription with whatever the Power Card or whatever. Like the Edge that was Card. There was nothing I looked forward to. Yeah, the edge card. Yeah, there was nothing I looked more forward to more every month than to get the newest Game Informer and see what new games were coming out. Like what, uh, yeah, what what games got reviews. So I knew because like that was that was how I bought games. Is I I read Game Informer and I said like what was the newest GameCube game that got really good reviews or what GameCube game looks really cool. Uh, I, I had Game Informer uh, magazines before they even started doing like cover stories. So I think it was like my first twenty issues. Like, there's no cover story. It's just like here's all the games. And then I think I think one of the first cover stories they ever did was Halo Two, and mm. I was I'd already like big Halo fan at that point. And like to see, so my first like to see Halo Two. Oh shit, Halo Two's coming out. Like. I got to read this magazine cover to cover to learn all I can about Halo 2. I feel like that early 2000s era, uh, that was how you marketed a game. Is You had a cover story in... Uh, yeah, it was kind of before the exodus of the internet. Yeah, you had a cover story in a magazine. There, you know, you had your pop-ups in, in, in GameStop or Funko Land or EB Games. Um, and then a beautiful thing happened. The internet got more popular and... Uh, G4 TV started to become G4 baby popular and E3 like exploded as yeah. this thing and like you could watch E3 on cable TV and that's that was like when you like I think trailers started to get in really like it, can't, it became all about the trailer uh when especially when that was when we started seeing the like the controversies around trailers I think it was 
the first one I can remember was the Killzone 3 trailer for PS3. It was like this cr- it looked it looked insane. It was like nothing you'd ever seen before. Mm-hmm. And then the game came out and it looked nothing. Or no, it was Killzone 2, not Killzone 3. Killzone 3 was much later. But Kill- yeah, Killzone 2. And it looked like it was nothing like that. And it was like the first time everyone was like, "Wait, what the heck? Like you can't advertise the game to be this like beautiful thing and then like have the game not It was like that was the first like uh, moment gamers were like, wait a second. Uh, breach of trust. Yeah, like, are you trying to mislead us? And, <laughs> and that was that was such a cool... Uh, I just, yeah, I like, I, I talked about it a lot when we talk about E3, like, it, it's the E3 trailers, that, like, that that was the coolest thing in the world, to, to see yeah. game reveals. Um, I, I meant to, like, throw a couple in, in our uh, little channel here but i kind of forgot uh, we'll just well you can just talk about them yeah one Um, one of the ones i think that stands out most is like a more recent one um and it's the the trailer for the phantom pain okay um i don't know if you guys like so metal gear solid 4 came out and like for ps3 and then there were rumors and rumors and rumors of metal gear solid 5 and then Ground Zeroes came out, which was just basically like a one-hour demo. Yeah, yeah, right. Kind of thing. But then there was like no. But it was news. titled Metal Gear Solid Five Ground Zeroes. Right. Yeah, it was titled Metal Gear Solid Five Ground Zeroes, and then like there was just like no news about this for, like for a couple years, and like people were like wondering like like what is Kojima doing? What is happening? When is Metal Gear Solid Five coming out? And then at that E3, during uh, I think it was a Sony press conference, this you know trailer starts playing and you look at you're watching it and you're like is this metal gear like that guy kind of looks like solid snake and then the studio name pops up and it says from moby dick studios and you're like oh oh i guess not like that's i've never heard of moby dick studios and like there's this whole like crazy kojima style trailer that like you're clearly like i don't know this kind of seems a lot like (laughs) it should be like a kojima game but it's like but it said moby dick studios so it must be like this new studio and then at the end like the whole trailer plays it's wild and then the end the title pops up and it just says the phantom pain and the speculation on the internet was just like insane like everyone was talking about so it wasn't even marketed as a metal gear game no it was the first trailer for it was for the phantom pain by moby dick studios and like the internet went insane like everyone's talking about what is this game who is it um like who's making what's the studio like people are like trying to figure out like where the studio came from like what is going on and i remember one of my friends uh who also like was a big metal gear fan like took this picture uh, and like drew this picture and was like look if you draw the lines in the spaces of the characters it actually says metal gear solid 5 and we were like no way <laughs> what there's, like there's no way like that that's ridiculous you but like, also that... that's the most kojima bullshit i've ever heard <laughs> right yeah it, it was what and like a few weeks later like it the actual first trailer came out and it was like yeah metal gear solid 5 the phantom pain and it was it was it was wild and i think it was one of the coolest marketing campaigns for a game i've ever seen in the sense that like they completely they took the risk of like not putting their name on this to like see to to get people to talk about it more Mm. and then like the world was in a frenzy of who the hell moby dick studios was yeah and then then when the spotlight was on them then you drop it 
yeah. it was Metal Gear Solid Five, and it was coming out, you know, later that year. And yeah, and that, it, that's, it's one that's, that's like burned into my my brain. Like I remember talking about it like for weeks, like <laughs> you know, thinking, watching the trailer over and over again to see if maybe there were clues and yeah, like that's that's cool marketing. And yeah, um, I definitely think that the way that part of part of the uh, thing that makes good marketing is how a company can play with your expectations as a consumer and use the pre-existing knowledge of like the franchise or games like it in the past, you know, because sometimes you can market games that are, are brand new and, and have it, you know, go either way. Like take, take Ghost of Tsushima as an example, right? Like I've said before, I there was a period of time, and maybe this is just due to my own ignorance, that I didn't know the difference between Sekiro and Ghost of Tsushima or Neo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was like, oh, it's the samurai game. But, the, you know, the more I actually paid attention to Ghost of Tsushima, the more I, like, was excited for it. And so it's... Uh... It, it, and it was one of the things where the, the marketing for those games at first didn't do anything to, like, separate them from each other. Like, yeah, you could watch all the trailers for those three games back to back, and you might think, uh, like, these kind of seem like the same game. Like, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, it almost helped uh, Ghosts of Tsushima to like completely drop off the radar for several months. Yeah. Uh, because they, like no, they, they were separated themselves from Nio and 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 Sekiro, which had released shortly after their trailers. Yeah, and that's why I think the marketing, the idea of a marketing campaign in today's economy of video games, is a little weird to think about because it's like. You it, like think about like again to bring it up Metroid Prime Four where it's like all we know about that game is the logo <laughs> like we we just yeah, know the, that, the it fact that it exists and so like all we that's all we've had to go on for the last four or five years so like I it's curious to me that like a game like Ghost of Tsushima can be announced fall into almost irrelevance and then just kind of slowly build itself back up whereas i wonder if they had waited to announce it until like be, like when, when was the the first time do you remember the state of play when we got like the first really meaty look at ghost of tsushima's gameplay like early in 2020 yeah 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 like, so like yeah. i wonder if that was like the first time they'd announced it that's a way to build fucking hype you know drop this mm -hmm. new game that looks awesome uh, and say it's out in a few months, and that's obviously what we've seen Nintendo do. We talk about it all the time. Yeah, um, we're we're definitely seeing an industry trend, uh, especially with established IPs, where uh, companies are are ready to just drop things. But then also some other like I think one of the coolest uh, and biggest surprises is how EA just released Apex Legends. Yeah. With zero build up zero hype but they used uh like the modern twitch streamer to like as their advertising campaign and the game is incredibly successful and no no free to play game has been able to uh like rebuild that success many have tried but no, like yeah. that was that was like a one and done thing but like some other games like you're saying like Nintendo have kind of taken a hint from that and said you know what it like it doesn't hurt to just show a trailer for a game and then say it's out <laughs> yeah and uh and i think that 
you know, like we've said numerous times before, the announcement of a game that doesn't come out for another four years just creates so, so much unnecessary expectation and speculation that like fans will inevitably de- be disappointed in some fashion because they built up their own expectations for the game. And they're like, well, it's taking this long. It must be, you know, amazing. Or like the hype just keeps building and building. And we saw it with cyberpunk, you know, it was impossible to have this conversation without bringing up fucking cyberpunk, but here we are. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like, and you know, because there was that big story the other, you know, last week, the week before about how they carefully curated these trailers that didn't actually show what the game was and, you know, like they showed like an ideal version of what the game could have been, but it, it, what we got on release wasn't that. So I think it's really important to actually show what's in your game. And at the end of the day, like we've seen with Apex, like there was no marketing for that game. But if your game's good, people will buy it. Right. Yeah. Um, another. Oh, I knew I forgot to talk about a game. Uh, another game that I, I don't know. Have you guys heard of uh, Valheim? Yes. I have yeah, heard, heard of seen Valheim yeah. all over Twitch lately. Yeah, so another game that kind of I don't I hadn't heard about it until um I like saw people like tweeting about it and stuff. Uh but like another game that kind of like its marketing came through people actually playing it. Uh I you know, I obviously we don't know if like Twitch streamers are are paid to play these games. Like usually yeah. there's kind of like a unspoken like yes this isn't an ad because i'm not being paid but also i'm kind of being paid to play this game like i don't know you you can't you can't be sure but i bought the game because i was like i watched a bunch of twitch streamers play it and i was like wow this looks really cool and i've been playing it a bunch and it's pretty cool and uh it's if if i had seen like four trailers for this game or whatever i would have been like ah no that's not for me but because my first experience was people just playing it and enjoying it, like you immediately have a positive kind of mindset about the game. You're like, oh, like this guy's having a ton of fun. Like I probably would have a ton of fun. It's it's a it's really interesting. Yeah, and and you know, kind of the current state of the internet, uh, and Twitch and YouTube and all of that, I think play a big role in marketing of free games nowadays. It's like you said, back in, you know, the nineties, all you had to go on for games was like what comes out in magazines and review scores and what you see physically in stores. So yeah. like being able to Make essentially, <laughs> yeah, being essentially able to free sample a game by watching someone else play it and interact with that person. Like say, you know, like I kind of the reverse uh, roles in the example I'm going to use, but I watched Jose mostly play Resident Evil 2 for the first time. And as a game that I played before and I loved, it was really fun to see him go through that and you know kind of having that interaction uh but having a streamer be playing a game to kind of inform you about your purchase is a really unique thing that we couldn't have really had you know two years ago maybe if g4 or something did like a like a spot on it right you had i mean yeah you 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 had like uh like x play to you you know you might watch x play and watch their review of their game and you know it would show yeah. clips of them playing it i i want there there was definitely another uh well no i guess attack of the show is more of like a geek just geek news and stuff but yeah it's like is that kind of thing like maybe you're only like your chance with marketing was word of mouth like you went over to your buddy's house and you watched them play like that's how I got into Dead Space. I went over to my buddy's house and he's like, "Hey, I just bought this game, Dead Space. Like, you you want to play? Like, let's like chill and play for a little bit." And I was like, "Oh my god, this is the coolest mm. thing ever! I have to buy this game." 
uh, that's how that was my first uh, exposure to Zelda. Uh, a kid that lived down the street from me had Ocarina of Time and I went over and like watched him play for like three hours and I was like oh my god this is the coolest thing ever uh, like I want a Nintendo yeah <laughs> and then after that you know I, it was kind of the same thing for me for a while I had like my local blockbuster right to really yeah, yeah. To really date ourselves um, but I, I would rent games frequently from the local blockbuster and uh, it was that was like kind of the only way that I could like research new games is like renting one. And that's kind of what streaming has turned into. Um, except you don't actually yeah. have to spend money on the game, which is nice. Um, but, um, but after that it became E3, I was like, okay, well I want to know when games are coming out. So let me look at the trailers. And it seemed that all the big trailers were coming from E3. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it kind of, it's nice that it ties into our, the, the story that E3 is planned to come back this year because like, I want to see how the last year and a half or maybe two years, I guess, since the last E3 have shaped the landscape of it and how we can maybe see developers take this knowledge and, and go forward with their own marketing of their games. Not that I have high hopes. It'll be very different, uh, but. And I, I mean, if you think about it, like normally I feel like by this time, like you have a pretty good picture of what the, like, because of E3, what, like the fall release schedule is going to look like but we we have no, no idea yeah and it, that's like it's partially with with covid but also i think it it is a partial partially because of the change in landscape of how games are marketed and released and like you know we don't know we don't know what the next nintendo game is going to be mm. we don't and, even past june we don't really know anything about what's coming out right and it's uh it, yeah it like it's weird, it's new, but it's also exciting because like you're gonna get the game as soon as they release the trailer. As soon as the marketing comes out, the yeah. game is coming out. Like yeah. I I don't think there'll ever be a cyberpunk situation again. I sure because... as hell hope not. <laughs> we can only hope. Yeah. There's a few games out announced right now that maybe i guess could have a cyber you know uh i i would put like um elder scrolls 6 and and metro prime 4 uh starfield elden ring games that like were announced but then went the cyberpunk way of not having any substantial news for a few exactly. years but yeah you know I and i would feeling... almost i would almost throw breath of the wild 2 into that list but with the exception that we did actually get a trailer with that game and it used the you know knowledge the lingering knowledge from players who had played breath of the wild to and and maybe even the zelda series as a whole to kind of fuel the intrigue with that hmm. trailer so like they didn't uh give us unrealistic unrealistic gameplay expectations uh, and they have piqued our interest just enough to keep us conversating about it, you know, right. three years later. God, has it already been three years? 2018. Yeah. Oh my god. No. So 2019. Never mind. 2019. Okay, just two. Oh, okay. okay. It's time as a construct. Um. <laughs> anyway. But could, they, yeah, I, I mean, they, they had even done the same thing with Breath of the Wild, the first one, where like yeah. the first trailer, like it. It, they, it was small snippets of gameplay yeah. over years that they released. And then... Yeah, do you like, remember the Iwata interview where he was, like, playing... He was riding yeah. a horse through the forest on the Wii U? Yeah, I remember the, that vividly. The horse will dodge the trees. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, I forgot about that specific line, but now that you mention it. 
I uh, that was like the big thing. It was like that was like the meme of it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's important, definitely, to uh, to accurately represent what's going to be in your game and not to to throw too much expectation at the wall. Don't don't you know sell promises that you can't deliver on. Um. So why don't we take a take this opportunity to maybe uh, name give a shout out to some of what we feel are the best game trailers out there. Derek, you already mentioned the Phantom Pain, and that definitely sounds like a doozy. Uh, I want to steal dibs right now on the fucking 2006 E3 Brawl trailer. Because... Another good one. Hot damn. The way that... Like, the way it starts, right? All of the... You know, have Link, Mario, Pikachu, and Kirby. And they, they run onto the screen. Everything is dark. They look like they're melee models. And then it upreses one by one. Every character upreses into the brawl art style, and then you see the new battlefield, and then it starts. And so not only are you wowed by the fact that it's like a new Smash Bros with updated graphics, but then they start dropping the new characters, and it's not only you know Pit and Meta Knight, and it's just rapid fire, right? And then like suddenly Samus is using this giant laser, and she's turning into Zero Suit Samus, and then fucking Wario rolls in, and then fucking. Metal Gear Solid, goddamn Solid Snake, <laughs> <laughs> just is like th- that was probably the most mind blowing thing uh, around that time. Uh, was that Snake being the first third party character? It's like not only are you selling everybody on the, on the idea of the new Smash Brothers, but you're opening up the possibilities with the introduction of a third party character. Uh, and seeing and like the Smash Ball was in that trailer too. I remember watching that trailer like over and over and over and then you had like kind of the peripheral of that being the brawl dojo i remember i used to call adam almost every day or at least get in communication with adam in some form very frequently about that brawl dojo and we would have like speculation about whatever the pick of the day was oh Um, yeah that was fun man yeah we used to have like 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 speculation conversations about like a new item or something, you know, like that's, uh-huh. that's how it was. And I think that was a fantastic fucking marketing campaign for brawl. Oh yeah. You know? I, that definitely, that's definitely one, uh, that stands out for me. I, I know I like, I had a buddy that was like super into to smash and like, yeah, he was always like, Oh, do you see the, 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 the smash dojo update? Yeah. And like sometimes <laughs> they would just drop a character randomly, you know, yeah. like, it, like, it was... Oh, today you can, uh, here's, you know, Oh, the banana is an item in the game. And then the next day it'd be like, Oh, king ddd is in it <laughs> we're like what yeah uh, there's all this speculation of, of like oh, how many characters are there going to be they keep announcing more characters like yeah. how many are they going to be like it, yeah that was very <sighs> and then i guess uh i'll follow that right up with obviously what i what i feel is the best game trailer of all time which is the smash ultimate everyone is here trailer <laughs> absolutely oh naturally holy, gotta like, be on there. holy shit just just thinking about it, it's like putting my hairs on end yeah like, just the absolute roller coaster that that was because yeah. so, it's it, it does have kind of the same energy as the brawl trailer except you have the history and you have you know the entirety of the smash franchise as we knew it in that moment and there was so much speculation. I almost wanted to throw the like initial Smash Ultimate teaser with the Inkling up on here, but I don't think that was really enough of a trailer to consider it. Um, you know, and it was it was it was just that a teaser. All we knew from it is that a new Smash was coming and Inkling was going to be in it. And then with Smash Ultimate, you know, we didn't know the name, 
it was, at that point it was just Smash Five, and mm-hmm. then you have the Sakurai's like, hello, you know, we're gonna show you a trailer with some characters in it, and each character is gonna have a number representing the time in which they entered the franchise, and we're like, okay, we don't really get that, but sure. And then they keep going, and you got your Mario's, your Donkey Kong's, your Links, and then it starts showing some maybe more obscure characters that in the past you would have been hesitant on whether or not they would return. You got characters like ike and maybe marth and it's like oh you know it's cool that they announced you know ike and falco this early and then as the trailer continues you're just showing more and more characters and then you see ice climbers are back and you're like hell yeah you know ice climbers were supposed to be in smash 4 but they couldn't because of technical limitations so this makes sense and then a few characters later pokemon trainer and that's when you're like what is going on and then you see uh clouds back and you're like wait like cloud out of every character in smash 4 was the one that people were convinced would not return because of the licensing and then it happened and just like in the brawl e3 trailer solid motherfucking snake uh and the way like you saw the electricity crackle and it says everyone is here and that's when everybody's collective mind was blown and then the rest of the trailer from there is just like you're just screaming uh, and then you get characters like Young Link and Pichu, and you're like, holy shit. Oh, my God. I remember watching that uh, in with Jeff at at lunch at work, and it was one of the most fucking insane, like, two minutes of my life. Yeah, I – that trailer – I watched it when uh, when Attica was still around. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember watching his live reaction – because at the time I was really into Smash, but then after a while I just kind of stopped. Mm-hmm. But when I was really into it, I watched Etika and his live stream, and watching him get hyped made me go fucking nuts. <laughs> his energy could not be matched, and like the same same with like the how you said with the brawl trailer when Solid Snake like the the entire trailer went quiet for a second. It was focus, and then you see the electricity, and everybody's losing their fucking minds. Yeah, I was actually I popped off. I was just fucking is that, screaming. Is that so? You guys know the video of Nintendo World in New York where everyone is like silent, and then they start fucking losing their minds. Is it that? Is it the Everyone Is Here trailer that that video is sourced from? I think I think so. Because yeah, that's and that is the moment when everyone loses their minds. Is when Snake appears. Uh, yeah, it was fucking nuts, dude. And also the fact that with like the trailers and reveals for all the characters that came out after that for DLC and yeah, I the mean, ones we didn't know were being added, they managed to keep all that energy. Yeah, the individual yeah. character trailers for Smash again are another fucking fantastic marketing campaign. Um, but the initial trailer uh, at E3 2018, this one is 2018. Um, that one is is maybe the best way that any video game could have done a pure hype trailer. You know. Like, but the thing that the reason why it works with Smash is because with Smash, we know what the gameplay is. Right. And right. So we don't they don't need to sell us on Smash like we already we're already in. Now you just got to tell us the like the details. So that one was was a fucking great. Uh, the fucking best I can speak. Um, but uh, Adam and Jose, did you guys have any in mind? Like, I don't know, like, nothing I can really think of specifically, but in my opinion, the best trailers that I've ever seen are those ones where, like, you're, it's slowly building it up. You don't quite know what it is until it's there. Actually, actually, one of the, one of the ones in recent memory is, uh, 
like we all gathered to watch the PS5 reveal, and it was the Resident. What well, we didn't know at the time, but it was the Resident Evil 8 trailer. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. The, like, the whole time going through it, you're speculating, and you're like, "What is this? What is this?" Yeah. And then uh-huh. like, but then they fake you out because they just say "village," right? Yeah. But then it highlights the V I I I, and you know, oh, it's eight. It's Resident Evil 8. Yeah. And that was and that was super nice. And the thing that the and again I'll say that that works because uh, it plays like it, it knows what you know as a fan, you know. Yeah. I, I think another good one from just from that same thing was the Final Fantasy 16 trailer where yes, the absolutely. Whole time you're speculating, and then like the first Chocobo shows up, and we're yeah. like, oh god, this is it. Like I was texting Jeff during that trailer. Uh, and kind of like my procedural reaction to it, and and I'm like, I think this is Final Fantasy. And at the end, they were like, it's Final Fantasy. I was like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> in my opinion, the best trailers are the ones that keep you guessing mm. the entire time. And then once you get to that build up, it's just, it's great. I I don't have any uh, specific. Uh, trailers in mind mainly because i i don't really like think much about the trailers after i see them for the first time mm-hmm. but when when there's a lot of build-up and and the developers actually want to get people excited uh they usually keep you guessing and those are the ones that always do the best yeah uh yeah. i think another another example that i uh would would say is actually the last of us part two and that Mm -hmm. um like i remember the initial trailer right where it's it is ellie uh, and you know you're gonna play as ellie but there's no mention of joel and you don't know if joel is gonna be playable or in the game or in any capacity uh and then you know i think the next trailer came out and joel showed up in the trailer and you're like okay he is uh and then another and like they also managed to throughout the entire marketing campaign still conceal the fact that you play as abby for half of it yeah right which is it's it's, it was great and so like even though i might not have ended up liking that game as you know as much as i was hyped for it the way that they that they revealed information uh was very intelligent and very uh very appealing i i feel like sequels uh have that uh advantage where like you know they can they can be um discreet and or they can play they can play with your hype uh i know another huge one i think that i like always sticks in my mind is the reveal trailer for halo 3 uh it's it's a simple it's like a super simple trailer it's just like the, the beginning of the trailer comes in it's like debris it's cortana's like talking and then slowly like through the dust master chief emerges but like the whole time it's uh the atmosphere and the the music that's like what is like keeping you on edge like it's just this light kind of orchestra orchestral and then the piano comes in and it's like this light piano and then like chief the camera turns and reveals like all these covenant ships you're on earth there's this giant thing in the ground and then it hits you with like the loud orchestral and it's just like holy shit it's here it's halo like like that was uh it gives it gives you goosebumps it's like one of the you know the the reveal the it it, yeah i even uh the halo which this is a a good example of a bad trailer but also like a good marketing was uh the the reveal trailer for halo 5 um is one of those ones where it's like 
that you don't know what you're like what is this game there's this person walking through the desert wearing a cloak like what is this game there's these weird alien things what's going on and then like the hood comes down and it's it's master chief and i yeah. remember like jumping out of my seat and being like holy shit yeah. But then also, none that there was nothing. You never walked in a desert as Master Chief <laughs> in that game. Like it was very weird. Like they were trying to emulate those those trailers of the past that got people hyped. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. This yeah. Is... And I think that you know this kind of style of trailer that we're talking about a lot, which is the the slow build into big reveal, um, doesn't work for new IP. And it's, no, like you, no. it's like you said that sequels have a distinct advantage in that regard. And so, like, if a trailer were to do that and then it was some name we'd never heard of, like if like Ghost of Tsushima, right? Like, if they did that and then at the end of they just said Ghost of Tsushima, I'd be like, okay, well, well what is that's that? A... So with new IP, I think it is important to then show, you know, gameplay and give a little more information. Like, you can't really do that kind of, of trailer with that. You know, that's even easier nowadays because we're seeing more and more trailers where at the bottom you see the little inscription that says, this is captured in engine. So that is a better way of showing you, hey, this is what the gameplay is legitimately going to look like. We can show you right in this trailer. Yeah. Which isn't really something we used to get with a lot of games, I feel. You know, mm. we get like cinematic stuff, which looked great, but, you know, compared yeah, like to the game. You another, know, another bad example is the ARC 2 trailer. <laughs> Oh God! Oh, that mm -hmm. abomination. Yeah, it was awful. I do not want to buy that game. And that kind of like makes you think a little bit that like, oh God, let's hope they don't get to the point where they're just gonna try to rely on uh, celebrities to sell things. That too. Yeah. Like, I don't. I don't really know if that'll work on gamers because I know for a fact they uh, as a bit of a tangent, but you know, like all the Marvel movie posters where like it's all just the ensemble like setting, like everyone's just staring off in the distance. Yep. They you do mean, that. That's like a classic movie poster thing, though. Yeah, but they do it because, like, while you and I, like, people like you and I and everyone in this call might, like, we might prefer to see, like, some kind of cool graphic or something. Like, oh, yeah, that looks neat. Most people would look at it and say, oh, wait, is that a cartoon? I don't watch cartoons. But they see, oh, Robert Downey Jr., I like him. I'll go watch that. Yeah. So, well, the, like. The, there's, like, a correlation uh in video games that constantly happens with like poses on covers uh i feel like that's like we we're talking a lot about trailers but uh like video game covers is another thing that like is highly at least in the triple a space like highly engineered and there's like there was a time i remember where every game had a, a you know the main character with a gun in a pose with blue and orange colors around them, because like that was what market research said. If you do that, that's, what's going to sell the game. Like hmm. that's that, I guess in the same sense of the movie poster, like, yeah, like all those Marvel movie posters are the same because market research says a bunch of the, the cast standing around like the old star Wars posters will get you your people in to see the movie. Like people want to <laughs> see the characters they, they know and love. And, for the modern or at least for the the not the mainstream gamer they want to see a guy holding a gun on the cover so that they know that this is going to be a, a action game this is a guy holding a gun kind of game yeah this is a guy is holding like a 90 percent of game. games nowadays <laughs> eh, i mean uh, fair enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're not wrong there all right well i think we have covered it pretty thoroughly so why don't we 
wrap this episode up with the Megabyte Trivia segment. Jose, every week on the show, we play trivia at the end of every episode. Uh, and so be prepared for that. All right, we just had a shit ton of technical difficulties, so this <laughs> trivia section is going to be a little bit botched because I had to rush and come up with some new uh, uh, questions. Basically, the idea for this trivia is I am going to play uh, some music from, from some from video games, and I am going to have the guys try and guess what they are. So basically, the way this is going to work is that you will get one point for naming the game that it is from, and you will get another point if you can tell me what part of the game that it happens in or that you hear it in whether it is a boss fight or an area or like a moment or if you can tell me the title of the track too that is also a, i'll give you a point for that so total of 10 points to be earned uh in this trivia section you guys ready to go also yeah Good. okay if you don't already know make sure you have like a place to write down your answers and don't oh, shout yes i i am aware oh yeah <laughs> That's yeah. right. Uh, yeah, that's right. Jose, we have had that problem before. Make sure I'm going to call on you, so uh don't uh don't just shout out the answer. Uh, okay, okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh um, what do we win? What do we get? Uh a sense of pride and accomplishment. Damn. <laughs> cool. All right, let's go. Let's do it. Yeah, give me one sec cuz I forgot to link these. All right. Song number 1. I'm going to play about 30 seconds of each of these. That's good. You got your guesses. Oh yeah, I got. I I, I know it. All right. Yep. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, I got. I got one guess. I can't tell where this is from, but. All right. Uh, well, then we're gonna start with you, Jose. Okay. Uh. It it felt like it had like. Really Dark Soulsy vibes, but not quite Dark Souls. I'm thinking Hollow Knight, maybe. And would you have a guess as to what area of Hollow Knight this is from? Uh, it sounds like it's like in it, obviously not in combat. It sounds like it's in like some sort of town or city, like just some like general safe space. Have you played Hollow Knight? No. Okay, so, so then you wouldn't uh, be able to guess where it was anyway. No. Adam, uh, Adam, what's uh, what's your guess? It is. It is in fact Hollow Knight, and it is in the city of Tears. Derek. Ah. I had Hollow Knight, obviously, but I, I put Deep Nest. Ah, so yes, the correct answer is Hollow Knight City of Tears. So good fucking guess, Jose. Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> I really I liked hearing your thought process on that. I was like, you're uh, oddly accurate on this from such a maybe uneducated standpoint. Uh, but so the that is correct. Uh, two points honestly, for Adam. You can go. You can go play the game for the soundtrack alone. Yeah, honestly, honestly. it sounds like it. Sounds, yeah okay so jose here's a fucking quick like recommendation you gotta play hollow knight on your stream do okay. it sure so yeah. worth it sure absolutely it's one it's uh tied for my favorite game of all time i guess oh. it's in my top two okay and it's one of maybe if not the game sharks podcast collective 
game of all time. Like we talk about it all the fucking time. We're waiting on that sequel. Yeah. Um, all right. So Adam with two points, Jose and Derek with one point. We are going to move on to the second song. Never mind. That wasn't it. <laughs> Here we go. guys good or do you need a minute uh, i can reckon i guess How's yeah i think I, I i've got a i've got a good guess okay we're gonna start with uh adam on this one. Oh, easy mm, with it being 8-bit there's a lot of things it could be but i am getting sonic the hedgehog vibes okay and i don't think it's green hill zone well i would hope uh, that you know that it's not fucking green hill zone that no, song is iconic no. Yeah, that song is iconic. I know it's not Green Hill Zone. Uh, I don't know any other names. I'm going to go for like some kind of like one of those machine levels. I don't really know how to describe the Sonic levels. Okay. Uh, Jose? Chemical Zone? Oh, I, I know this one. This is fucking the Mega Man 2 title. All right. Oh. And Derek? I said uh, Mega Man, but Wily's theme. Uh, okay. So when you said Mega Man, did you mean like a particular game or did you mean Mega Man 1? Uh... I guess I just meant Mega Man. Okay, so just in general? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess, I don't know. I guess I can give you the point for Mega Man. Because I kind of spoiled I mean, it for it you Mega before. Uh, either way, Jose is correct. It is the title from Mega Man 2. Um, hey. So that bumps yeah. Jose up to three. I mean, I guess my thinking was that it was from Mega Man. Yeah, Mega Man the 1. series. Okay. Yeah. Then, I mean, Not if Mega you... Man if, if that is like you being 100% honest about it, then I guess we'll I, I won't give you the point. But yeah, um, just for clarification, we're looking for the game and then the song itself. Correct. Like like okay. If you like like baseline, if you tell me what game it's from, then that's a point. But so it was further than the that. answer was Mega Man 2, and the song was title theme. Correct. Got yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. So then my answer would be wrong because I said Mega Man, and then I thought Got the song it, yeah. was Wily theme in Mega okay. Man. Sure. All right. <laughs> now that's out of the way. Jose three, Derek one, Adam two. <laughs> Moving on <laughs> to <laughs> the third song. These days. That is an ad. God, I no, fucking I checked. You know, I checked all of these beforehand, and I was like, okay, none of these have ads, so we'll be good. And then this one just decided, nope, we're gonna fuck you. <laughs> we're gonna have an ad. So uh, here we go with song number three.
I was getting into that too. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it was catchy. I love, I love this song. <laughs> okay, so it's a game Andrew likes. I mean, no, I dude. think I think that's uh, <laughs> a pretty easy barrier to cross for all of these songs, Adam. <laughs> I know, but I don't know what this is, so I'm trying right, to think. Well, it. there you go. I'll give you a couple more seconds to uh, to ponder it then. Jose and Derek, you guys all set with your guesses? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Adam, you know we're coming to you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Three? Uh... Fighter? If it gives you uh, if it gives you a hint, I will say there are two acceptable answers for this, both in game oh. and title track, or title of the track. Uh, Street Fighter intro theme. I don't know. I, I okay. got nothing here. All right, Jose. It's something I haven't played. Uh, I got like some. I don't know where this is from, but I got some really really strong like Final Fantasy vibes out of this. Would you which Final Fantasy? <laughs> I don't fucking know, dude. I don't know, just... uh, five? Final Fantasy Five? Okay, and uh, do you have any sort of guess as to what it would be uh, in Final Fantasy? Some sort of battle theme. Okay, uh, Derek, give me yours. All right, it's Final Fantasy Seven, and known. I think it's it's some battle theme. I think it, it's uh, the guy who owns the the casino or the mansion. Uh, what's his name? No, you don't fight him. Uh, then it's it's the battle theme of of the house, the the fighting house thing. <laughs> you guys are both really close. It's Final Fantasy IV, oh. uh, and it is the it is the boss theme from Final Fantasy IV. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, the other acceptable answer is Super Mario RPG because what? this is the theme that plays when you fight the secret boss Culex. Ah. Uh, which I threw that in as an acceptable answer since we played that game not too long ago. That's yeah, I didn't get to that part. Yeah, I mean, I did not get that part. <laughs> that is true. I forgot that neither of you guys finished that game. Oops. All right, well, points stay the same. We're moving on to number four. I hope that you guys will get this one at least. That's really soft. Is it? How about now? No, I know it. Do you know that you know that you know it? Or do you oh god, think no, I'm not sure. You know it? <laughs> I think that I know it. Derek, you uh, you good too? Yeah, yep, I'm good. All right, Adam, I'll give you ten more seconds. Okay, okay, okay. All right, Adam. What do you uh, think? is that? Is that the Wind Waker boss theme? Like, I might be way off base here. Which boss? Oh, okay. Um. Well, I mean, I need you to be specific in general. They have unique boss themes. Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah. yeah they do. That is... Hmm. It's, the, it's the, the, the big rock thing at Forsaken Fortress. Forget his name. 
Helmarok? Helmarok? Yeah. Helmarok King? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Derek? Uh, I went with Wind Waker, but the Ganondorf fight. And Jose? Same thing. Yeah, it is the Ganondorf fight. Okay. Oh, it's so, Ganon, okay. Yeah. It's Ganon, yeah. <laughs> I, knew it was from, I knew it's from Wind Waker. I just could not yeah. remember which boss it was. I heard your ears perk up when I said when I asked you for the specific boss theme. Yeah, so that, I knew I got the I knew I got the game right. I mean, I, I will. Forgot. I mean, I will ask you for specifics even if the game is wrong. You know, I need to be thorough here. True, true, so, true. I forgot that they had individual boss themes. Yes, they do. I mean, the Mulgara theme too is a very iconic one. I gotta uh, go back and replay that. Yeah, we do. I mean, we're gonna eventually, right? Yeah, we gotta get there. Is uh, that the only game where Ganondorf doesn't have a Ganon form? Yep. Yep. It's just him in, in regular Garuda form with his two Yeah. Guys. There's real. There's huh. only three games with Ganondorf. Huh. Wind Waker, Ocarina of Time, and uh, Twilight, Twilight Princess. Princess. Twilight Princess, yeah. Cool. All right, well, moving on from that to our fifth and final song. Jose has five. He's leading the pack. And Derek and Adam are tied at three. So let's see if you guys know this one. As much as I would like to listen to that song forever, uh, <laughs> they got to cut it off. <laughs> All right. How are we feeling? You know it? You got to think about think it? I think I know this one. I mean, I know where it's from. I just don't know which fucking stage this is. Yeah, this one I am going to need you to be very specific on the title of the track. Damn. Just for the uh, kind of uh, circumstance around that. All right. We all good? I know I've heard it. Yeah. All right, we're going to go with Jose first on this one. Okay. Uh, well, it's from Brawl, Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck, it's like something blast. Like it's, it starts with a B. It's like uh, fucking Bramble. Bramble Blast. All right, and Adam? I also said it was from Brawl, but I thought it was a subspace emissary theme. All right. That's a very generic theme to have. I, I know suppose. it's very. I know. I know it's very uh, generic. But. And then Derek. Uh, I said Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> <laughs> and the like, the driving around in the car theme. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Jose, you fucking pulled that one out of your ass because it is Bramble Blast from wow. Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Uh, I wow. can't believe I fucking remembered that. Which that makes Jose our winner with seven points. Well done, sir. You have a 100% win rate in Game Sharks trivia, something that only a couple other people can say. Damn. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to play this tiebreaker I had for fun. The way a tiebreaker would have worked in this scenario is that the first person who said the answer would get the point. So we're just going to play this one real quick. Oh, that's a... Uh... 
Yeah. Oh, it's, it's not. Oh, what's his name? What's his name? Oh, what's his name? Uh, what's his name? He's the, he's come the on, baby. What's he's the, the name? He's the parrot. I think I would have accepted the parrot. The parrot. <laughs> At the that parrot. point, as the oh, as I did say, the Rito boy. His name is Cass. Cass. That's yeah, the, the name. Breath of the Wild is the only game that I knew all three of you have played, so that's I left that one for the tiebreaker. That fucking theme haunts my dreams. <laughs> every time I would I would go anywhere and Cass was nearby, I would stop. I would drop everything I was doing and was frantically search until either I found him or I got far enough away that I couldn't hear him. <laughs> no, I always found him like, okay, where's the secret? Where's the, where's the shrine, dude? Right, Point me right. in the right direction. It's like, please show yourself. <laughs> all right well congratulations jose that was a, a really fun trivia that i don't i'm surprised honestly that we haven't done something like it by now i guess we kind of did it with the with the jeopardy one yeah uh, yeah but that, i think that was with sound effects so this is kind what of you, the, sa the same spirit of that Wait, damn it why do they put the leave call button right next to the stop <laughs> streaming button <laughs> uh, um anyway we should definitely do that some more. I really like that. And there's so many fucking good video game songs. Three, Two of which I didn't get to use because you guys saw my document by accident. Yeah. Um, Out of curiosity, what were the other two? Uh, I'll never tell. Wow. <laughs> Same Darn. for next time. It's yeah, fun. exactly. Uh, well, that is going to just about do it for this episode of the Game Sharks podcast. If you want to read any reviews that we have written, like my recent Cyber Shadow review and Jeff's upcoming and Derek's, you know, distant Possibly Hitman existing. 3 review, uh, <laughs> uh, and Jeff's The Medium review, I forgot to actually say the name of the game, uh, then you can check out our website, www.thegamesharks.com. You can follow us on Instagram at the Game Sharks Podcast and Twitter at Game Sharks Cast, and send us an email at gamesharkspodcast at yahoo.com for any inquiries, any trivia questions, anything that you have to ask us. Um, Jose, you stream on the reg, so where can people find you on Twitch? Yo, thanks. Uh, I stream on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash haywire underscore j, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Time every night. Uh, we do Monster Hunter on the week, and then we do Zelda weekends. So we pick uh, whatever Zelda game we have on the back burner, and we play it. And then we play until completion, like we did with Breath of the Wild. Next up is Twilight uh, Princess, so please drop by and say hello. Uh, really? I was just going to say, this might be an idea, an opportunity to rope you into to mine and Adam's schemes. Adam and I have also recently decided to play through the entire Zelda franchise in timeline Ooh. order. So we have started with Skyward oh, Sword. That sounds like a lot of fun. So if you're more than welcome to join us for that, but that would ha mean you kind of skirting your plans and playing Skyward Sword instead. I mean, I'd have to get... Uh, we'll talk. We'll talk more about this We will, We will talk. Anyway, definitely check out Jose's stream. It's a lot of fun when you're there. Uh, he's one of my very good friends, and I would appreciate, I would appreciate it also if you check him out. So uh, anyway, that's it for us. Uh, next week, I think Jeff is still on vacation, so Derek is going to take the helm. Uh, so until then, we are Finn.
fucking Jesus Christ. <laughs> Three hours later. 